0: This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Blockbuster Video. With Blockbuster's unmatched selection and knowledgeable associates, you can be sure to bring the good times home. Take Randy, for instance. How do you decide what movies to recommend, Randy? There's a formula to it. A very simple formula. Thanks, Randy. Remember, make it a Blockbuster night.
1: No one
0: cares, Hello, my name is Chris.
2: My name is Kelsey.
0: And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. It's Horror Tropes Week on Pod Cemetery, with 1996's Scream and 2012's The Cabin in the Woods. I am super excited for this episode, Kelsey.
2: As am I, but I'm a little bit worried because... It's
0: gonna be a long episode. Yeah. It's gonna be a very long episode, so... Prepare yourselves. I really don't want it to be, because that's a lot of editing, and there's so many good lines in both of these movies. I'm going to try to keep it to a minimum. And we have other things to talk about, Kelsey. Yeah. Two very big things. Number one on the list. This past weekend, we went to Not Scary Farm. Woo! How'd you like it?
2: I had a lot of fun. We went through a couple of the mazes. The best one was probably... (sighs) Uh, probably Dark Ride was very, very cool.
0: I agree. I think Dark Ride was the best one. We ended up going on three mazes over the course of six hours that tells you anything what it's like now. We theorize that there are fewer mazes that have higher production values, so the lines are a lot longer. Mm -hmm. uh, And that makes it harder to get to multiple attractions. Back in the day, Mm -hmm. making myself feel really old, there were just tons and tons. Tons of mazes, and you could just walk right through them. The lines could be half an hour to an hour, and that was it. Now, you're looking at lines. You get to the end of the line. It's like, it's a 150-minute wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Mm-hmm. Dark ride was the shortest wait at an hour. Yes. But it breezed right by, and there wasn't any crazy gimmick, but it was like you were walking around in a dark ride. Uh, you know, you saw the little cars and everything like that, but it was carnival-themed, so there were a lot of evil clowns and stuff. Uh, A lot of real actors. I thought that that one was really cool, even though it was gimmick free. What else did we go on?
2: We also went through one that was very cool where you had to fight off zombies.
0: Yeah, Special Ops Infected. They give you a light gun like you might have on Astro Blasters at Disneyland. You know, or a you laser hit,
2: gun. Or, yeah,
0: but you know, you hit the target and it and it glows. Well, all all the human zombies are wearing these collars where when you hit them, they light up so you know you've hit them, and it Even vibrates. Though
2: they tell you to go for the head, which is bullshit.
0: Right. I imagine there's a pretty wide spray on that laser there. <laughs> Uh, because it was really kind of easy to hit the targets, but it was a great concept. They get you rushing through there and crouch down low, and there are cars that are overturned, and there's a subway car that's been broken up that you need to walk through, which was, I think, one of the highlights of that ride. Uh, It was very cool. Very well done. And the other one we went on was Trick or Treat, where they give you flashlights that are incorporated into the ride. And the the they're really dim flashlights, but that's how you see everything and there's practically no lights in the place and then it converts to a black light so you can see all the crazy writing on the walls and then it it flashes and flickers out at you at on one point so you know you're just in pitch black darkness and your flashlight keeps going out and it was a cool gimmick yes, but it was a two hour wait two and a half. Well, they said two and a half, but it was two hours, just like like with Special Ops. That was a two-hour wait as well. The waits are far too long. Way too long. But the attractions were really cool. If you can deal with going to a place for six hours and doing three things (laughs) that each of them are like five minutes long, if that, like, if you can deal with that. They were really cool.
2: Yeah, and as you're walking through the entire park, you get scared as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's always fun, walking through these areas that are pitch black, full of fog. <laughs> like, you can't even see your hand in front of your face, and then people jump out at you. And it's it's a great time. So people in Southern California, if you haven't gone to it this year or recently, it's been almost a decade since we've been. Mm-hmm. It's worth going if you can get in relatively cheap. Do not pay same day prices. No, That's $82. That is nuts. But all you people that aren't in Southern California, I'm sorry, you don't get to experience this, but I would like to hear from you. What Halloween attractions do you go to? Throughout the Halloween season. Yes. Some of them are really cool, especially local ones. Do you go to any of those extreme ones? Do you go to the ones where they're allowed to touch you? Do you just go on a haunted hayride or go through a corn maze? or What kind of stuff do you do uh, in your hometown for Halloween?
2: Over the years, we have been to Not Scary Farm. We have been to the Queen Mary
0: What's it called? The Haunted Harbor? It's something like that. Dark Harbor. Dark I think. Harbor. Dark Harbor. Yeah.
2: Uh, th- we've also been to the LA Haunted Hayride. We've just not been to Universal or Six Flags. So if anybody's been to those, please tell us if they're good.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. I
2: really wanted to go to Universal this year, but yeah. it's pretty far.
0: And yeah, it's also expensive, so Yeah. Oh well. And I've heard those
2: lines are even worse.
0: They're always they're always really bad, even just when it's not Halloween. Mm-hmm. Those lines are crazy. That was our fun time and not scary farm. But item number two that we need to discuss: first, Pet Cemetery came out with a poster and some set photos with the tagline "Sometimes dead is better." And then, just a couple days later, came out with the first trailer. Maybe just some crazy folk tale. But there
1: is something up in those woods. things back sometimes dead is better
0: kelsey what'd you think
2: I mean, I I have a lot of trepidation over this anyway, just because I love the first one.
0: Yeah, I mean, we named our podcast after it.
2: Yes, so we will see. From the trailer, it doesn't look like they include the sister at all, which is funny to me because she's the scariest part right. of the first one for me.
0: I was making the argument that, I mean, what does she really have to do with the story? I mean, really?
2: I mean, that's how I feel about the maid, She's unnecessary to the story, but, like, her death doesn't stick with me. The the sister sticks with me. But it looks like they've got Gage. They've got the cat. They've got the teenager who dies. So... Yeah, it looks
0: know. like they're we'll going to cover everything, but then they added in the additional element of kids in a funeral procession wearing pet masks. So they're not, like, crazy animal masks, but it's, like, you know, a cat, a dog, a rabbit, like, pets.
2: Now, we have not read the book. No. Perhaps this is in the book. Yeah. If it's not, it seems like a stupid thing it to It seems add.
0: a little much. Mm-hmm. I think it looked cool.
2: No, that's exactly what they were but, thinking. But
0: that's, that's my worry, is that they put it in there just because it looks cool. Exactly. And it would be kind of wild and unbelievable beyond that. Yes. So I'm a little bit, like you say, I think trepidatious is a good word. But, I mean, it looks like a quality film. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's well made.
2: It looks like the guy who plays the dad.
0: Jason something or other.
2: It looks like he's a little angrily subdued throughout the film, but mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't seen it. It's
0: just the guy the from the second two Planet of the Apes movies.
2: Yes. We'll see.
0: Yeah, we'll see. What do you think about John Lithgow playing Judd Crandall? Do you think it looks good?
2: I didn't even notice that it was John Lithgow.
0: Yeah, well, he has a full beard with a little red splotches in it. Yeah. funny.
2: I don't know. I'll have to pay more attention next time.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm just a little bit bummed that we're not going to get that classic New Englander accent. We don't go down that road. I don't go down that road. (laughs) Love it. All right, Kelsey. Now that we are almost 10 minutes into the episode, let's get it started with our normal stuff with another diversion, Trivial Pursuit horror edition what do you got for me
2: okay what famous co-director was an assistant editor on 1981's evil dead
0: co-director
2: he is a famous co-director but for this movie for evil dead he was an assistant editor i'll give you this hint okay He and his other famous co-director, so you need to think about people uh who do movies together. Yeah. He and his other famous co-director do a lot of grisly movies, but they are not horrors. In fact, they are usually somewhat comedic.
0: It's one of the Coen brothers, isn't it?
2: It is! It's Joel Coen. Okay, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's where I was going before you gave me the hint, and that that really solidified for me i'm like grizzly yep check
3: yeah. and then
0: not horror check okay cool all right kelsey
3: mm-hmm.
0: what insects overrun the hermetically sealed environment of Upson pratt in creep show
2: 1982
0: cockroaches yes it's amazing that you got that Actually, it's not because... We
2: just we, watched a video. We just watched
0: a video about Creepshow. Yeah. <laughs> and, ladies and gentlemen, divergence between the two of us. I like Creepshow. I don't love it. I like it. Kelsey really does not.
2: No, I don't get it.
0: So, sorry, Stephen King.
2: The only story from that movie that I actually enjoyed... And George
0: Romero.
2: ...was the one with Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson. Yes,
0: yes. Yeah, with the burying in the sand.
2: Yeah, that's the creepiest one, and it's the one that ends well.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I guess maybe I like it because I did grow up with those uh, old school horror comics that that this movie is actually based on. I got a collection of my uncle's old comics, and that was among them. I also used to buy uh, blind boxes from comic shops where they put individual issues of random comics in a box and they sell them to you for really cheap, and some of them would come in there. And uh Creepshow, that's what it's trying to be, is a movie representation of one of those comic books. So, very, very cool. All right, Kelsey, you know what time it is?
2: Scream time.
0: It is Scream Time from 1996, directed by Wes Craven, written by Kevin Williamson, and starring... <clears throat> Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Drew Barrymore, Skeet Ulrich, Rose McGowan, Matthew Lillard, Jamie Kennedy, Lee Schreiber and Henry Winkler. What is Scream about?
2: Scream is about a group of high school teenagers who are stalked by a masked killer who likes to make scary phone calls.
0: Sound familiar? It should, because this movie goes out of its way To address tropes in the horror genre that were around at the time. This is 1996. This, as we've said repeatedly, is a turning point for the genre. The whole genre completely changes after Scream comes out as a result of Wes Craven, believe it or not. But it was actually written by Kevin Williamson, who wrote this, all of its sequels the TV series based on the movie, I Know What You Did Last Summer, The Faculty, and he created both Vampire Diaries and D. Creek.
2: Nice. Are you serious? He did D. Creek? Yes. (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: For those of you that did not listen to our episode on Urban Legend, D. Creek is Kelsey's (laughs) slang from her youth for Dawson's Creek. (laughs) So he is used to writing not only horror content, but also...
2: Teen drama. Teen
0: drama. So, yeah, he's all over that and does a very good job of this one. I would say it's very well written.
2: Yeah. I know that the other Scream movies get a lot of flack.
0: I enjoy them still.
2: I, yeah. I mean, three is definitely by far the worst.
0: Yeah. Four, it's, it's still bad. I wouldn't say it's good, but it's better than three.
2: Four had its nose up in the air a little bit too much for me.
0: Yeah. Like it was trying to do the same thing it did with the rest of the, like the first one did with the genre, but with itself, which mm-hmm. was a little meta. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But I actually, I enjoy all of them. Yeah. In fact, I would probably watch three before I watched four again.
0: Okay. So. Should people watch it? Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, what are you doing? There's Another <laughs> one of those movies. If you haven't seen it, see it. Yeah. If you've seen it, see it again. <laughs> it's very good. We watch it pretty much every year, right?
2: I don't know about every year, but we watch it a lot.
0: Yeah, we've seen this movie plenty of times, and you should too. If you don't want to, that's okay. You can take our advice or leave it. But when we get back, we will talk about 1996's Scream.
3: Hello? Hello? Who
1: is this? You tell me
2: your name,
1: I'll tell you mine. Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at. Someone is playing a deadly game.
2: It
0: all began with a scream over 911.
1: Someone who's seen one too many scary movies. Deep
0: like scary movies what's the point they're
1: all the same some stupid killer stalking some big breasted girl who can't act is always running up the stairs when she
3: should be going out the front door it's insulting
1: there are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a scary movie don't answer the phone <coughs> don't open the door
0: Scream, rated R. Kelsey, how does Scream start?
2: Scream starts with an awful opening of a, somebody screaming and like slashing. Yeah,
0: uh-huh. I uh, and loud noises that. and yeah, it does that at the end too. <sighs> Cheap things that the that the genre will outgrow.
2: Yes. Then we get a scene, the famous scene with Drew Barrymore. She's on the phone. He asks her questions about horror movies. She says that her favorite is Halloween. And then he, you know, he talks about Nightmare on Elm Street, etc. But then he creeps her out, I think by saying something about her boyfriend or whatever. But it's like, why didn't she just call the cops? Because she hangs up on him. Yeah. Why not call the cops and say, hey, somebody's threatening me.
0: Because as she's freaking out, he calls back.
2: Yeah, and uh, he says, never say who's there. It's a death wish. Um, I want to play a game with you. And if you can answer the question correctly, we won't kill your boyfriend. He asks her the famous question, who is the killer in the first Friday the 13th movie? And of course, she says Jason, which is wrong, as we all know. A million times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's a famous cliche now to point out that the killer in the first Friday the 13th movie is not Jason (laughs) after this movie. At the time, it was not. Right. Not at all. And I think most of the people that went to see that movie had no idea. Right. It's 96. Movies weren't as readily available as they are now.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. And so she sees her boyfriend get killed, and so she tries to run away, but she doesn't make it, and she also gets killed. And if you were watching it for the first time ever, you might be thinking... How on earth could he get from that area of the house to the other area of the house?
0: Everyone listening should already know the answer to this. <laughs> but it's something it's it's that itself is a play on horror movie tropes that the killer is magical and can teleport. Exactly. When they made a Friday the 13th video game for this generation, they that was a power that you have when you play as Jason, is teleportation powers. It plays into that trope.
2: We still haven't played that game and I want to. No,
0: it's free on PlayStation Plus this month, so I have it. Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: We'll definitely have to play it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So this was a very big deal because this harkens back to Psycho. When the very big deal was to get your huge name brand character that people think is going to be the focus of the movie. Because Drew Barrymore was absolutely the biggest name on the, the cast list. She was huge at this time. And... She was up for Nev Campbell's role, I think, and requested this role of Casey.
2: That is the story. I didn't look it up to see if it was true or not.
0: Yeah. um, But that
2: is the story that she came up with the idea of, no, put me as the first one to die. Because
0: nobody will expect me to die in the very beginning, which is the same philosophy as Psycho. And it had been, you know, what, like 30 years. Nowadays, everybody want to talk, but nothing comes out when they move their lips. It's just a bunch (laughs) of gibberish. And motherfuckers act like they forgot about Hitch. (sighs) Completely forgot that that was a thing that Hitchcock did originally with Psycho. And that was the huge gimmick. And it had been so long that they could do it again here. And people just really were not expecting it. As a person, I was 13 when this movie came out. Absolutely did not expect that.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Not at all. I like Drew Barrymore. Of course, she's the protagonist. She's the 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 in when they have the lineup of the characters, she's the one in the center. Like it's it's her movie if you until you see it, and she dies in the first scene. Yeah, yeah, really cool.
2: And again, uh, Wes Craven just does an excellent job of making this scene that I've seen a billion times tense. Yeah. Um, however, it is annoying that at one point she stops running because she sees that her parents are coming up the driveway. Yeah. And because she stops, that's why she and gets she's killed. she's trying to,
0: like, scream, but she's out of breath.
2: So then they hang her up in the tree. And I've always thought it was a weird-looking shot. And we found out, oh, it looks weird because it's not really her. The
0: MPAA wouldn't let them show a lingering shot of her hanging there. So... They have a doll, which actually I think does look really good, especially for the time. But I've always thought, her. even
2: when I was a kid, I yeah. was like, that looks weird. It kind of
0: looks like she's wearing a wig and like, mm-hmm. yeah. But I mean, th- the the guts coming out and everything look really good, but it's it's entirely a doll. But there's this zoom shot that's really uncharacteristic and it zooms in fast motion and then cuts away as soon as they get up to her face. And then you get that lightning and the the all that. They had to do that because the MPAA wouldn't let them linger on it. And their solution was, well, what if we sped up the shot and cut away right away? And that's ha- that's the only way they got that shot in the movie. Fucking MPAA.
2: <laughs> cut to Nev Campbell.
0: The real star of the show. Yes. Playing Sydney.
2: Uh, being terrified by her creeper-ass boyfriend who looks like Johnny Depp which yeah. is why he got the role. Himself
0: is basically a reference to Johnny Depp. He climbs in through her window just like Johnny Depp does.
2: Mhm. He comes in, and he's like you sleep in that? What a fucking dick. I would be I like know. fuck you. Get out of my room.
0: <laughs> okay, let's talk about this very briefly. Okay. The ending notwithstanding, Skeet Ulrich's character of Billy is an asshole boyfriend. Mhm. There are no redeeming qualities about him as a boyfriend. He's just the pretty guy in high school, and at no point is he a sympathetic character. Mm -hmm. That's probably, I'd say, the biggest failing of this movie. Maybe not the biggest failing of this movie, but it's a big failing of the movie, is that he's indignant the whole time. He plays the victim card all the time. He guilts her, or attempts to, into having sex like... There is not a moment where you're like, oh, Billy, he's a good kid.
2: <laughs>
0: Never. Yeah. Which is kind of a bummer.
2: It's so fu- it, okay, it's really funny though, because he's like, I was watching The Exorcist and it made me think of you. And she's just like, huh? <laughs> what? Yeah. And he's like, you know, how uh the MPAA, haha, MPAA. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, is the reason that so much of it gets cut out when it's on TV, and that's how I feel about yours and my relationship. Yeah, our
0: sex life. In the beginning, we were really hot and heavy, and now it's like we're edited for television. Mm -hmm. And then she flashes him when when she kicks him out. It's like a, you know, here, because he complained enough. Like, God, fuck you, Skeet Rich. You know, I I hate Skeet Rich because of this movie and because of As Good As It Gets which he was in the very next year when he robs and assaults Greg Kinnear's character like you just after that you just don't like Skeet Orange <laughs> pretty boy or not he's he plays asshole characters all the time yes so we've mentioned a few horror movies so far do you mind if i just real quickly go down the list of all the horror movies that the movie either directly references or gives an homage to.
2: Go ahead, but don't say the examples because we might want to say that while we're going. I won't. Okay.
0: I found 23. Plus Holy there shit. are Plus there are two more, which I've heard it references, but I don't know how.
2: See, I'm so glad that you pay attention to this crap. I would get so frustrated yes. with this.
0: So I'll just... List them. List them. Halloween a lot. Nightmare on Elm Street, a couple times, Friday the 13th, The Exorcist, Basic Instinct, All the Right Moves, Psycho, Wes Carpenter movies I put down as a reference cuz they mention Wes Carpenter. Uh as a name, Wesley Cra- West Craven and John Carpenter. ET, The Howling, Prom Night, Evil Dead, Hellraiser, The Fog, Terror Train, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Clueless, I Spit on Your Grave, Rebel Without a Cause, Silence of the Lambs, Clerks, Carrie, and Apollo 13.
2: There's a group in there that I have no idea when they are referenced. Yeah. So.
0: I have I have what they are. We can come back to that at the end as well. IMDb also says that they reference the bad seed in the town that dreaded Sundown. I just don't know how.
2: Oh, no. She says the town that dreaded Sundown. Does she? When they get the curfew. She's like it's like the town that dreaded sundown. Oh, uh, okay,
0: wow! I just totally missed that one.
2: What was the other one?
0: Uh, the bad seed. I don't know if it's I think because she the-
2: calls herself "I'm like the bad seed" or something, but I don't remember exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, next day they're all at school, and this is where we get to meet the group of friends. So you've ar- we've already talked about Billy. We've already talked about Nev Campbell. There is also a gorgeous Matthew Lillard in this movie.
0: He went to my college, Mm. my junior college
2: and Rose McAllen. So they're all talking about the murder, of course, because, of course, you would. And uh, I think it's Rose McAllen that says, how could you gut someone? And then Matthew Lillard goes into all these gruesome details. And immediately Billy is like, hey, shut the fuck up, man.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, because it's we didn't talk about this. It's reminiscent of Sydney's mom, who was murdered a year prior by somebody who she thinks did it. And this is Cotton Weary. It's the man she was having an affair with, played by Lee Schreiber, who you just see in, like, stock footage in this. But he becomes a character in, in the rest of the movies.
2: Yes. We also find out that Matthew Lillard dated Drew Barrymore. Casey. Casey. Until she left him. For her new boyfriend. Yeah. So
3: that's interesting
0: We don't movie. need to be coy about this. We Everyone knows what the ending <laughs> is. <laughs> Matthew Littleard and Skeet Ulrich, they're the killers.
2: <laughs> we also meet Randy.
0: Jamie Kennedy, jackass extraordinaire.
2: Everyone's favorite character of the Scream. Yeah,
0: it's just too bad I know so much about him in real life. He's just a total douchebag. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he's spoken at video game oriented things. Uh-huh. And it was just a total douchebag about it. That's he put in the bad. absolute minimal effort and just told a lot of jokes about how uh, people who play video games are nerds in their mom's basement and will never get laid. And, like, it's like, dude, where do you think you are? <laughs> Read the room, man.
1: We're at E3. And uh, I just want to say this place is the only place that makes the guys at Comic-Con look like Ocean's 13. Uh, I see some virgins in the audience. Virgins? There are so many virgins in here. Richard Branson is uh, doing this event. All right.
2: But he is the one who knows... He doesn't have a girlfriend, and he knows all about horror movies. Yes. And works in a video
1: store.
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, to work in a video store. I, yeah, wanted, I worked in a game store. I wanted to work there <laughs> so bad, but I couldn't, because I knew it would have to be in the horror section all the time.
0: Yep, and you just couldn't walk down that aisle. No.
2: Nope. So, Neve Campbell's father is going on a work trip, so she's going to stay with Rose McGowan. However, before she gets there... She receives a phone call uh, with the same voiced killer as the previous shot with Drew Barrymore. And she thinks it's just Randy playing a prank, so she tries to hang up on him. And he says, if you di- if you hang up on me, you'll die just like your mother. Right?
0: Yeah. Do you want to die, Sydney? Your mother sure didn't.
2: If you hang up on me, you'll die just like your mother.
3: Do you want to die, Sydney, your mother sure didn't.
2: Before that, she they had talked about horror movies, and she had explained, you know, they're insulting. It always shows this big-breasted bimbo running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. Yeah. Well, he scares her into believing that he is outside. No, uh,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. She, and so
2: she is forced to run upstairs. Yeah,
0: she opens the door, and he's there. She closes the door and then runs upstairs, yeah. Mm-hmm. She calls 911 when she's upstairs and, and managed to lock herself in the room. And that's when Billy comes upstairs through the window again, all excited, like, I heard you screaming, is everything okay? And a cell phone falls out of his pocket. Love this, love this, love this, love this. It was 1996. Not everyone had cell phones. Mm -hmm. That's a plot point in this movie, is that, what were you doing with a cell phone, kid? Mm -hmm. Like, it was suspicious.
2: (laughs) And then she runs down the stairs to get away from him, opens up the door. Oh, There's Dewey. Dewey. Oh, God. Arquette. Yeah. David Arquette. David
0: Arquette's dope. I love David Arquette.
2: <laughs> she tells him, you know, the killer's here, the killer's in the house. And he's like, no, he's gone. He's gone. And she's like, mm-mm. And she accuses her boyfriend. Because at this point, she's got no she's reason not terrified. to. Terrified. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, and she has to go to the cops, and he's like yelling at her, like I can't believe you would say this. You know me, I can't believe you'd think this. And she's being interviewed by the cops in the same room that Skeet Ulrich is sitting in. It's just like this right. is not the yeah. way these things should uh-huh. be handled. And then Rose McAllen shows up, and she's like, "You're coming home." And Dewey Dewey is Rose McGowan's brother, and he's like, "No, she has to stay here." And she's like, "No, she's coming home." Yeah, and um, he's like. You can't make fun of me. You can't talk to me like that in front of my superior. She's like, the janitor's your superior. <laughs> so they go back to her place and Rose McGowan is just like, oh, I knew he was too perfect. I knew there had to be something wrong with him. Oh, he's a killer talking about her boyfriend. But then while she's there, she gets a phone call from the killer, which tells us that it supposedly cannot be her boyfriend
0: yeah the argument is he was in prison and then at one point later on the night the big night at the climax of this movie she asks him who did you call and he's like my "My dad." dad and she's like no the police said
2: they called your dad
0: they called your dad and he's like no i tried him he didn't answer and so that's why the police had to call and she's a little bit suspicious but then waves it off Right, But ultimately, I don't think that's the case any- anyway. I don't think she called him from there. I think it's a lot easier answer that Stu called her.
2: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah,
0: like it just makes much more sense. So it's almost a red herring anyway.
2: Well, I think he called Stu and told to call, Stu to call her. Yeah, uh-huh. But anyway.
0: That's a good, that's very good answer. I love that. That's good.
2: So she goes to school the next day, and of, of course there are a billion uh, reporters there. But the reporter to watch out for is Miss Courtney Cox. Yes, and she's trying to interview her about it. But Nev Campbell hates her because she covered uh, her mother's death a year ago,
0: and is even writing a book now about saying
2: what- that Cotton Weary didn't do it. Right?
0: Yeah, and there's, we're not going to go into that whole explanation. But Nev Campbell starts to. Doubt her original conviction that Cotton Weary did it especially because of the things that the killer is saying mm-hmm. like your mom sure didn't want to die mm-hmm. but she cocks Courtney Cox <laughs> right in the face gives her kind of a black eye so that's a fun little moment uh, also in this scene is Linda Blair she's one of the reporters
2: oh is she really? yeah
0: Huh. people want to know they have a right to know
2: Oh, I didn't know that was her. Yeah. uh I even wrote that line down. Yeah. So she runs into Matthew Lillard, who's saying that it's like Christmas, and Rose McGowan hits him with her little lollipop. She's like, stupidity leak.
3: Yeah. (laughs) It's cute.
2: And then, of course, she runs into her boyfriend, who is talking to her about the situation. And it goes from her talking about her dead mother and the fact that she was just possibly filleted last night to him saying, Why aren't we having sex? Yeah. Like just a just a piece of shit, and he's like, you know, my mom left, and I'm okay with it. And she's like, your mom left your dad. She was not hacked into yeah. little pieces.
0: She moved. She moved to another house. Yeah, she's not dead.
2: And he goes, oh, it's a bad analogy. And she, I want my girlfriend back, and she's just like, fuck you. See what I
0: mean? He's just a total dick.
2: Mm-hmm. He
0: is not supportive or caring or understanding at all when she is obviously the one going through the bigger trauma.
2: So she does her famous run. You her think famous, that's famous? Oh, yeah. Her going back and forth. Like, oh, oh they, they make fun of it a lot in Scary Movie. Scary Movie, movie yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh-huh. Which, side note, is what this movie was scripted as. Scary, scary movie. movie. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: So she runs into the bathroom where she overhears these girls talking about her. And we get to know more about the fact that everybody thinks that her mom was a slut. And it's a pretty funny Uh, Conversation, but I'll skip over it. Where do you get this shit? Ricky, you are pathetic. And then a guy is in there dressed as the ghost face killer and runs after her. Well, turns out that's a prank.
0: We don't know that. Right. We just know they find somebody dressed up. Two guys that are uh dressed up.
2: And then we get a lovely scene with Henry. Which is a little hint, by
0: the way, that there are two killers. Yes. Uh
2: Then we get a scene with Henry Winkler
0: Uh uh-huh threatening Uh, to cut him up or whatever and and then he tries the mask on boo (laughs) (laughs) it's really cute yeah
2: yes and so he decides okay just fuck this just we're ending school early go home there's a curfew etc and so matthew Lillard is like awesome we're gonna have a party it's just like where the fuck are these people's parents
0: Right, we don't know where Stu's parents are.
2: Parents are just never around. We
0: know where Sydney's parents are. Her mom's dead, obviously, and her dad is in Vegas or something like that at a conference. But when they try to reach him when she's attacked, he doesn't respond. And later on, they find out that the calls were coming from his cell phone, and so they're trying to track him down.
2: So he's going to have a party. They're all getting ready for the party, and... Skeet Ulrich and Matthew Lillard go to visit Jamie Kennedy at the movie store. And he's got like a ton of customers because everybody wants to see horror movies. Yeah. Because of what's happening. And uh, we find out that he has a crush on Sydney as well. And he's saying, you know, Skeet Ulrich is definitely at the top of the list.
1: He's got killer printed all over his forehead. Oh, God. Really? Why'd the cops let him go, smart guy? because obviously they don't watch enough movies. This is standard horror movie stuff. Prom night revisited, man. Yeah. Why would he want to kill his own girlfriend? There's always some stupid bullshit reason to kill your girlfriend. That's the beauty of it all, simplicity. Besides, if it gets too complicated, You lose your target audience.
2: And then they both turn on him and they're like, well, what about you? He's like, absolutely. If this was a horror movie, I would definitely be on the list. Yeah. Because everyone is a suspect.
0: If they'd watch Prom Night, they'd save time. Exactly. Yeah, so good. See, the
1: police are always Mm -hmm. off track with this shit. If they'd watch Prom Night, they'd save time. There's a formula to it. A very simple formula. Everybody's
2: a suspect.
0: He has the best... Lines.
2: Yes, he does. And I could go on and on about all of them, and I'm going to try not to, especially since I already know I'm going to go on and on about the lines in Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. And then they ask him, they're like, well, what would the motive be? And he's like, motive is incidental. So then Nev Campbell is talking to Rose McGowan, and she's like, oh, maybe they'll make a movie about you. And Dewey says, I always pictured you as a young Meg Ryan. And Nev Nev Campbell says... With my luck, I'd probably get Tori Spelling.
0: Which Tori Spelling plays the character in the STAB franchise, which is the in-universe film version of the movie. I love it.
2: (laughs) I love it.
3: It's
0: a little reference that pops up in the second film.
2: Mm -hmm. And then she goes on to say that her boyfriend has been so patient with her and that she is sexually anorexic.
0: Yeah, because basically she says all the post-traumatic stress that she has is is the reason they're not having sex. Like, it's her fault or something. She feels guilty about it. Which
2: is why I love that he had, that Jamie Kennedy had just referenced prom night. Yeah. Because do you remember what happens in prom night? She keeps saying no to her boyfriend. Oh, he yeah. And then says, he... fine, I'll go get somebody who will. Uh-huh. So it's definitely a direct cross-reference there. Then I wrote down Evil Dead and
0: Hellraiser.
2: Did they make references to those?
0: Oh, those are movies they're trying to choose from at the party.
2: Okay. So, yeah. So, they're at the party and Cordy Cox is there and she's trying to get in and she runs into Dewey and he's like, just leave them alone. It's just a bunch of kids cutting it loose. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, why don't you show me around?
0: Yeah. uh Um, She's being really flirty trying to get access, basically.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. So then uh, Matthew Lillard tells Rose McGowan, hey, babe, go and get me a beer. Why they would want to kill her, I don't know. But again, motives are incidental, right?
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, that's a real good question. I mean, maybe because she's just so mean to him.
2: So she goes into the garage to get it, and out comes the ghost face killer and this is where she says, "What is this? I spit on your garage,
0: yeah, which is the I spit on your grave reference that
2: was one that was the first reference mm-hmm. that you said that I was like. They made that reference, yeah, yes, and I wrote it myself.
0: um I think I know why she's dead why because their objective was to kill everybody but the two of them.
2: that's true to give them to make them look like they're innocent, yeah. And I love it. She's like, "Oh no, Mister Ghostface Killer! I want to be in the sequel."
0: She doesn't make it to the sequel. I know, and she should. She really should have.
2: Uh, but She's basically, a great he comes after her. She drops all the beers, and of course, then we get the famous scene of her trying to get
0: through mm-hmm.
2: a doggy door through Apparently, the garage. Apparently,
0: she had she had no idea, but she found out through filming this scene that she could actually fit through a doggy door.
2: <laughs> because yeah, she tries to get. Through and she gets stuck and then the killer uses the garage garage to kill her.
0: Yeah, and the motor's like chugging. There's no way in hell this would actually happen. It's the most fake death in the entire movie. That motor can lift that door and that is it. Mm -hmm. It would not be able to lift what is probably a hundred pound woman. Like no way in hell. And it strains, but it's really unrealistic. Our fucking garage
2: door broke because of the heat. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Oh, I wrote down the reference to uh, Clueless, which when you said that again, I was like, huh? I wrote it down. Billy shows up. He goes to have sex with Nev Campbell. When he does, Jamie Kennedy says to Matthew Lillard, oh, man, there goes my chance with Sid. And Matthew Lillard says... As, As if. if.
0: And Randy replies, okay, Alicia.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: As Great. in Alicia Silverstone, the character from Clueless. Yeah. So lots and lots of references in this movie.
2: Yeah. And then they go upstairs and they're going to have sex. And... um,
0: This is around the time that Randy gives his rules for how to stay alive and... In a horror movie. So I will go down a list that includes these rules of all 14 tropes that they reference outright. And I think almost all of them are Randy that says them. Don't say who's there. The killer says that.
2: That's said by the killer. Yeah.
0: Uh, Don't investigate a strange noise. Also said by the killer. The big breasted girl who can't act. Nev Campbell says that. Running up the stairs when she should be running out the front door. Nev Campbell says that too. There's always some excuse to kill your girlfriend.
2: That's probably said by Jamie Kennedy.
0: Yeah, somebody. Oh yeah. He says it to Stu in the in the uh the movie rental place, which nobody does does anybody listening do you know what a rental store is? <laughs> like uh but it's like a Blockbuster or something.
2: It's definitely a Blockbuster. Yeah.
0: Um simplicity is another rule. Yes. Of these sorts of plots. Uh, the missing person's body pops up in the last reel when Stu asks, well, what if it's Sid's dad? They can't find him. And he's like, oh, he's probably already dead. His body's going to pop up somewhere in the last reel. Uh, everybody's a suspect. He admits that the movie freak would be the prime suspect. It's the millennium motives are incidental. That's what he says. And then they're like, oh, that's a good one. (laughs) Like, they really like that one. Uh, You can never have sex. Sex equals death. This is one of the three rules that Randy gives. You can never drink or do drugs. It's the sin factor related to number one. Which isn't exactly true. They're watching Halloween and Lori smokes pot. (laughs) Never say, I'll be right back. And because but, you won't be. Yeah, <laughs> because you won't be. Good.
1: There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. For instance, number one, you can never have sex. Big <laughs> no, no no! Big no dead man. Sex equals yes. death, okay? Number two, you can never drink or do drugs. <laughs> It's a sin. It's an extension of number one. And number three, never, ever, ever under any circumstances say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. I'm getting another beer. You want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back.
0: (laughs) And the last one, it's a lot scarier when there's no motive. Those are the 14 horror movie tropes that are mentioned by name and called out in the script. And not just demonstrated in the script. You see, you push the laws and you end up dead. Okay, I'll see you in the kitchen with a knife.
2: But so as I was saying, Neve Campbell's about to have sex with her boyfriend and she goes, enough is enough. It's like, dude, it's been a year since your mom died. Like, I don't think enough is enough yet.
0: Yeah. And she's like, oh, why can't our life be more like, you know, a romantic comedy?
2: Exactly. Or Or a a
0: good good porno." porno.
2: Yeah, cuz he says it's all a movie and she's like no it's not and this is in in scary movie he goes yes it is and he like points out all the cameras. <laughs> so right after they have sex is when she asks him who'd you make the phone call to? Yeah. And he's like oh I called my dad. Yeah, but when I called he didn't answer. And she's like I just thought it would be funny if you did if you called me during that time. And he's like wait, you don't still think it's me, do you? She's like no. She's kind of starting to think about it again. Yeah. Right after she had sex with him. Uh-huh. Cut to Randy watching Halloween, and he keeps shouting at the TV, look behind you, look behind you. And the funny thing is, is that the ghost face killer is right behind him. Now, my question is, why doesn't he get killed right there?
0: Uh, because there's a noise outside. Some Something startles him or something like that. Outside. I remember that specifically. He goes, oh, what? Uh, The reason the whole house is empty except for Randy is because they find the principal's body, Henry Winkler's body, hanging from the goalpost or something like that at the the football field at the school, and all the kids leave to go check it out. Uh, Courtney Cox and David Arquette find the father's car Mm -hmm. when they get run off the road
2: and the ghost face killer kills kenny. Uh, yeah, her
0: cameraman. Mm-hmm. You bastards.
2: You <laughs> bastards. Uh, and, and stabs Sydney. I forgot that he actually stabs her.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh the but to go back to where he's watching Halloween and says turn around, extra added layer of depth what he actually says is Jamie turn around, turn around Jamie. His name is Jamie Kennedy. Ah.
2: Oh. So a little
0: little bit of a reference right there.
2: Cute. And it's funny because then later the ghost face killer is looking for, I think it's Sydney at this point. And he hears whimpering. And so he opens the door. Guess who's whimpering it is.
0: The dads? No, nope. who's It's Lori Strode. Oh yes. Yeah. I remember that. Okay. They do, they do a very effective job of incorporating the soundtrack of Halloween because it's still playing this whole time, and you know the like the synth sounds that it has, and and the actual score, like and the sounds that she's making, and the whimpers and the grunts and all that, does a really good job of incorporating into what's actually happening on screen. I thought that was pretty clever.
2: Yeah, and it's just funny because we talked about that a lot in our episode about Halloween,
0: about all the noises that she makes, mm-hmm.
2: the keys, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When, I forget how they get separated, but Dewey and Courtney Cox get separated. So she runs up to the van and she's like, I need the cellular.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Jesus.
2: And then she realizes she's stepping in blood and she realizes that Kenny is dead. And she like throws him off of her car. Yeah, she's
0: driving away as he slides down onto the windshield. And she's like, get the fuck off my van. (laughs) Sydney gets chased outside during all of this. Uh, Courtney Cox crashes the van. And Sydney
2: just ditches her. Yeah. uh Like, fuck you.
0: (laughs) So as she's running back up inside, uh, Jamie Kennedy comes out and he's been stabbed or something. I can't remember what he got, like, stabbed in the arm or something. And he's coming out and Stu comes up the other direction and they're both like give me the gun because she has whose gun i don't oh dewey's gun she has dewey's gun during all this i think right because dewey got stabbed
2: yeah dewey gets stabbed and then she tries to drive away but the killer has the keys and then she's running back into the house yeah
0: and she confronts both of them and they're like it's him he's crazy and she's just like Fuck both of you.
2: Yeah, fuck you both. <laughs> and
0: closes the door.
2: <laughs> and then she sees that her boyfriend, who she also saw get quote unquote stabbed, yeah, is still alive. And she goes to help him. And then I think Jamie Kennedy gets inside and he's like, Stu's gone mad. And then Skeet Ulrich says, we all go a little mad sometimes. Psycho. Surprise, Sydney. And Jamie's just like, oh, fuck. (laughs) And then he licks off the corn syrup, and he's like, it's the same stuff they used in Carrie. And she's like, this can't be true. And he's like, oh, tell that to Cotton Weary. Yeah. Because they also killed her mom. And then in comes Stu, and she's just like, what did you do? And they're just like, oh, we watched a few movies, took a few notes. It was fun. It was so much fun. It made you have sex with a psychopath. Yeah. Like, that's how good we are at it, right? We plan the perfect stuff. And he's like, oh, it's a scream, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's a
0: scream, baby. And apparently, that's part of the reason why they named it Scream is because he said that.
2: And wasn't that ad-libbed?
0: No, the ad-libbed part was, my parents are going to be so mad at me.
2: I love Matthew Lillard. Yeah. <laughs> and I also love that she's like, you guys have watched way too many movies. And Ski Ulrich says, don't blame the movies. They just make us more creative.
3: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But then they get distracted by something and she gets away. She also finds out that they have her dad and that they're planning to pin it all on her dad. Yeah,
0: he'll kill himself. And then we see them, like, stab each other. And this is one of my biggest problems with the movie. I know they're showing off. I get that. But why would they hurt each other before killing her and the dad? At Absolutely. least tying her up.
2: Absolutely. Why they don't kill her first, I don't – yeah, it's bullshit. There's
0: also no explanation as to why he would have uh, corn syrup and red food coloring.
2: Well, you could easily say it was – we were making something for Halloween or, you know, because of all the craziness, we were doing something. But, I mean, they wanted to show that they had been hurt. They didn't want to make it look like they got away scot-free.
0: Right, yeah. And – Skeet Ulrich goes a little bit overboard.
2: Because Stu pisses him off. Uh-huh. I forget what he says, but he says something to piss him off. And yeah, he he hits him a couple more times. And he's like, I think I'm dying here, man. Yeah. Um, and then the phone rings and he's like, should I let the machine get <laughs> He's so good. He's so good. He's so
0: good. But yeah, ultimately she gets away with her dad. She hides her dad and ends up calling them back. And fucking with them, she's like, I already called 911. And when Skeet goes around looking for her, he hands the phone to Matthew Lillard. And Matthew Lillard carries on the conversation with her. Did you really call the cops? <laughs> My mom and dad are going to be so mad at me. My mom and dad are going to be so mad at me. Yeah,
2: and, and she's like, you know, what was your motive? And he's like, peer pressure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then she's talking to Skeet, who takes the phone away from him, and she calls him a pansy-ass mom's boy. Just <laughs> fantastic. Because,
0: yeah, his his total motive was that her mom was mom. sleeping with his dad. She had multiple affairs, sleeping with his dad, and that's why his mom left him.
2: So then she comes after them, and she stabs Billy with an umbrella.
0: Yeah, she comes out of the closet with an umbrella and runs it right into him. And and for some reason, she. Exactly. She thought it
2: was important to put on the outfit. I don't know. And then she puts a TV onto Stu's head, and it's all silly, and he's like being electrocuted. It reminded me of the electrocution scene in
0: Dream Warriors.
2: The people under the stairs. Oh. oh
0: yeah, no, I was going to say dream warriors where face into the TV and that's how you die with a one-liner in your dreams, she says specifically.
2: Ah. When,
0: when he says, I always had a thing for you, Sid, or whatever. and Which she is says, funny
2: because they were dating at the time. Yeah, uh-huh. But yeah, I mean, he, he does the yeah. thing that they do in people, people
0: under, under the stairs. stairs. I
2: think Wes Craven secretly <laughs> wanted to do like Slapstick comedies and never got a chance.
0: Wes Craven actually did direct Shocker about the guy who goes to the electric chair. And he comes back and he has electrocution powers.
2: So Craven just likes
0: electrocution. (laughs) I guess, yeah.
2: Uh, So she ends up killing Stu. Out pops Skeet Ulrich. She, She sticks her finger in his stab wound. Um, or a bullet hole, I don't know which. And he passes out, and then he's about to get them, and Courtney Cox shows up, and she...
0: Gets the gun and shoots him.
2: But she doesn't because she has the whatever it's called on.
0: The Oh yeah the safety on and then she gets attacked
2: So then Nev Campbell gets it and yeah. shoots him And then Jamie's like you better be careful It's always in the last scene where he comes back And he does and then she uh-huh. shoots him And she's like not in my movie uh-huh.
1: Careful This is the moment when the supposedly dead killer Comes back to life For one last scare
2: Not in my movie Yeah, this movie is very good, and no, I don't have anything left for the lightning round because I just went through all of it.
0: I have plenty left for lightning round. I will also say that we find out at the end that Dewey is still alive, which they filmed just in case, and odd test audiences liked him so much that they kept him alive. And then he was subsequently in all the rest of them.
2: But Jamie Kennedy died in the second one.
0: Yeah, even though people really, really liked him. Mm Mm-hmm. It was the stupidest move. So in the third one, they had it where he pre-recorded a message. It's like come really dumb. On. It's so dumb.
2: It's really dumb.
0: All right. Lightning round. I guess I will be driving this whole entire thing. When Drew Barrymore is killed and her dad tells the mom to go to the McKenzie's, that's what Jamie Lee Curtis says to the little kids in Halloween. Tells oh. them to go to the McKenzie's. At one point, Nev Campbell and... Skeet Ulrich are making out. The music playing in the background is like a sexy version of Don't Fear the Reaper.
2: Yes, I wrote that down. But I didn't know what it meant.
0: <laughs> what your note meant? Yes. Yeah, it's a sexy version of Don't Fear the Reaper, which, again, is played in Halloween. And plus, he's like a death character, the Ghostface Killer. Um, Now, reference to Halloween, there, that's one of them.
2: There's tons of references. Are you going to go through every one? No.
0: Skeet Ulrich's character is named Billy Loomis, who he shares a name with Dr. Samuel Loomis from Halloween, which shares a name with the character Samuel Loomis from Psycho. In this movie, they're watching Halloween. In Halloween H20, 20 years later, they watch Scream 2.
2: Really? Yes. That's These awesome. movies are in
0: each other's universes as a real thing. So it's it's... Pretty interesting. I made a list of all the suspects it could be. This is really early on in my horror movie watching Lifetime. So I was really interested in the fact that they play around with who the killer could be. And there are eight times a suspect is pointed to in this movie that I can see. The first is Stu. Randy accuses Stu at the beginning. At the fountain. Then it's Billy, he has the cell phone. Then it's Billy again, where Randy says it's obviously Billy, and calls Stu Billy's little lapdog, which this is where he figures it out, and he was right. The principal, when he threatens to gut the kids, it's very like, oh, is he the dangerous one? Sidney's father, when he can't be found and all the calls come from his cell phone. Randy, where he admits that he would be a prime suspect. Uh, but then he's ultimately attacked, which is how we know it's not him. The sheriff, it's lingered on that he has the same boots that we saw that the killer wears. And then finally, Billy again, when Sydney questions him about his one phone call. But you have the really good response to that, that he was calling Stu, who then called Sydney. That's actually the scene where Billy is attacked by the killer, fake-wise. Okay, let's talk about the killer. Ghostface. Or Ghostface Killer. There's a rapper called Ghostface Killer. I am aware. So he's called Ghostface Killer in the movie. They call him Father Death. That's the name of the actual costume that they bring in. It's a costume that's at every costume shop. Now, there are conflicting reports about this, but it was actually a real mask created by Bridget uh, Sleerton from this company called Fun World. She did a series of masks called Fantastic Faces, and this one was called the Peanut-Eyed Ghost. The producer on the movie, Marianne Maddalena, she's the one who actually discovered it. Uh, She found it while inside a house during location scouting for the film and gave it to Wes. He tried to obtain the rights, so he went to Fun World, and so Fun World renamed it Ghostface, uh because they knew it was going to be in this movie they actually still own or they did own for the longest time the name ghostface and the design so you can still buy it absolutely everywhere the movie just called it a masked killer so the script so it's never actually said what it could be no reference of what he looked like except that he was supposed to be wearing white And they decided to put him in black instead, which I think was a good choice because he was supposed to be a ghost. A ghost. (laughs) They did make some custom versions, but didn't end up actually using them. They went back and used the actual original design. According to Bridget Slearton, on choosing the final design of what became Ghostface, we came with an assortment of masks that had the Ghostface look. Of the entire assortment, that face was the strongest one. The design definitely had something that made it outstanding from the others. The movie won Best Picture in 1997 at the MTV Movie Awards.
3: Oh, my God.
0: Yes. We didn't mention that Wes Craven is actually in the movie. He He's the janitor in the high school wearing the Freddy Krueger sweater. Oh, I didn't know that was him. Yeah. That's who Henry Winkler yells at accidentally. <laughs>
2: Nothing Fred. What'd you call me? (laughs) Nothing Fred.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's named Fred. So that's really cute. Uh, But uh, there are a few other things in here, like um, Kevin Williamson, he based the idea on a real killer called the Gainesville Ripper, and...
2: Well, isn't, isn't this one end up being the Woodsboro Ripper?
0: Yeah, something like that. He wrote it as a short story while he was working on teaching Mrs. Tingle...
2: Oh, that movie's awful. Which
0: didn't become a movie until several years after this one, probably on the basis that he wrote this one.
2: The movie's awful.
0: Yeah. And then he decided he was just going to make it into a script because, according to him, quote, nobody else was making it. Because nobody would. Yeah. So that's all I have. We are over an hour into this episode. <laughs> all right, Kelsey, what do you think it got on Rotten Tomatoes? 88. Seventy-nine percent. Really? Horror icon Wes Craven's subversive deconstruction of the genre is sly, witty, and surprisingly effective as a slasher film itself, even if it is a little too cheeky for some. Metacritic, it got a 65, and it has no cinema score. Really? Yeah. Overrated or underrated?
2: Underrated.
0: Absolutely. What would you give it?
2: I'd probably give it an 86. 86.
0: Not a 90, huh?
2: It just doesn't quite have the value. I don't know, the production value or the or the thought. Like it doesn't process. hold up
0: as well, you think?
2: Right. I'm I just th-
0: thinking of the state of horror movies at the time and how revolutionary it was.
2: Yes. I mean, and I, I love it. Um,
0: I'm not trying to talk you into a higher score. I'm explaining why I'm going to give it a 90.
2: I think it's got a great story and it's got some excellent elements like you just said but I don't watch this movie and I'm like in awe.
0: Right. I think it's just a staple. It's part of the horror movie Zeitgeist. And unlike Amityville Horror, which is part of that same like horror canon, it's not boring. Yeah, no. So definitely not. It gets points for that. All right. That is 1996's Scream. We did it, baby. Woo. We did it. You'll see him in your nightmares.
3: You'll see him in your dreams.
1: He'll appear out of nowhere, but he ain't what he seems. You'll see him in your head on the TV screen. Hey, buddy, I'm wanting you to turn it off. Oh, he's a god, he's a god, he's a man, he's a guru. You're
3: one microscopic cog in his catastrophic plan. Designed and directed by his red right hand.
0: All right. Not crazy long. I think we kind (laughs) of rushed through it. We left out a lot of plot elements because we didn't want to linger too much because we knew we had a lot to say about this movie.
2: The next one's going to be really long.
0: I might have more things to say about our next film. I have
2: way more to say about the next movie.
0: Cabin in the Woods. All right. Before we get talking about our next movie, we have to do Trivial Pursuit Horror Edition. Kelsey, give me what you got.
2: Who directed 2004's Dawn of the Dead?
0: 2004's Dawn of the Dead? Mm-hmm. Zack Snyder.
2: That is correct.
0: Yeah. One of the few uh, actually just solid good movies without qualification. <laughs> in Mama, 2013. In what century did Edith Brennan jump to her death? 17th. 18th or 19th century 19th you're right how did you know that so quickly i just remember the movie but what made you think 19th century
2: um i was just thinking about the scene where she's running away and thinking about the things that were happening to her and i was like oh, it was the 1800s yeah uh-huh.
0: oh, good good All right, moving on, we're going to talk about a movie that we might have way more to say about even than Scream.
2: I already know I do.
0: Yeah. 2012's Cabin in the Woods, written by Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard, directed by Drew Goddard, and starring Kristen Connolly, Chris Hemsworth, Anna Hutchison, Fran Kranz, Jesse Williams, Richard Jenkins, and Bradley Whitford. Kelsey, what is Cabin in the Woods about?
2: A group of college students... Decide to spend a weekend at a cabin in the woods, but unfortunately, they are a part of a bigger plot.
0: Good. Should people watch the movie?
2: Yes. Absolutely. If you haven't seen it already, I don't know
0: how you're listening to us. 100%. We, I remember, I actually went and saw this movie when it came out with Kelsey and some other friends of ours... And we were it not was, It was a tiny little movie where, like, you know, we would see some, like, bad movies sometimes. We'd have a movie night and we'd watch bad movies. And we'd watch some bad horror movies, too. And so we were like, let's go see a bad horror movie in the theater, right? You know? Oh, it's we a Cabin in the Woods story.
2: expecting it.
0: No idea what it was. It was not talked about, like, at all when it we first came out. We had seen
2: trailers, which had made us like, huh, it looks kind of different. yeah. But then it just took us all by surprise. Because in
0: the trailers, there's that moment where it's like, we all got to stick together. And then you see the gas coming out. And then he like, said, we got to we gotta split up. And then Fran Kranz's character says, really? Like, that's in the trailer. And we're like, you know, this seems kind of fun. But we had no clue what it was about. Nobody was talking about it yet. And we came out of that theater going, that movie was fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all loved it loved it so we highly recommend you see this if you haven't actually because when we talk about it we're going to go full spoilers oh my god so
2: and we're going to talk about it practically it,
0: if you haven't seen it see it yes. and then come back i'm not even going to say stop this see it now or don't and see it.
2: watch it if you have not yeah. seen this and movie. and if it's
0: been a couple of years since you've seen it see it again and when we come back we will talk about 2012s Cabin in the woods.
1: Everybody ready? It doesn't even show up on the GPS.
2: It is unworthy of global positioning.
1: Oh, this is awesome. The lambs have passed through the gate, they are come to the killing floor. Ah! <sighs> what is this, please? Guys, listen to this. Dolor Sublimus. Carl. Do not read the Latin. Dolor igneo animos.
3: <laughs> what is that thing?
1: They unleashed an unspeakable evil. No! And now all bets are off. We have a winner. Oh! I had zombies too. This is zombie redneck torture family. See? They're entirely separate species. <clears throat> That's not good. No matter what happens, we have to stay together Calm down. watch them after work. What's the matter? We should split up. Really? Show us the goods. I'm chilly. Do we have temperature control in this sector? On it. You made us choose how we die. been in the woods they may be zombified pain worshiping backwoods idiots but there are zombified pain worshiping backwards idiots
0: <laughs> Kelsey why don't you tell us how the cabin in the woods gets started?
2: So, Cabin in the Woods opens with uh, a lot of imagery of devils and gods and torture and sacrifices, mm-hmm. which is funny because I don't think I got it the first time when I watched it in the theater.
0: Yeah, it's a montage of just visuals and it's effectively just like drawings on the wall and that sort of thing, depicting, like you say, uh, monsters and things like that, but also sacrifices, I think is the key thing that it's depicting.
2: Then we get a fun scene between the two directors I get. No, the director is Sig- Sigourney Weaver. What what would you call them?
0: Um I don't know, I guess the heads of operations. The heads of
2: operation. Uh
0: Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins play Cittersen and Hadley.
2: Both of whom you know yeah. from lots of things. And they have a really funny conversation. So Hadley and his wife are trying to get pregnant, and it's very much like they work in an office, and they're just kind of going about their mundane duties, and uh, in walks this woman who's very nervous, very worried, uh, saying that somebody just failed, it's just Japan and us, and they're like, yeah, well, it's not like Japan's, Japan has a 100% rating, and uh, they're like, we've only had one mistake in 98, remember, who was that? And it It's ends the chemistry
0: in the department Chem yeah. department Which that, is where she's from
2: Yeah And they're just going about their daily duties And like you don't really know what you're watching And then they're in a little like golf cart And they're driving somewhere And the guy Hadley just keeps talking And then he turns and looks at him And he's like Are you even listening to me? And then ah, Stinger with the uh, the title Cabin in the Woods
1: Yeah So you want to come over Monday night? I'm going to pick up some power drills Liberate my cabinets Are you even listening to me?
0: This was designed, according to Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon, it was designed to get you wondering if you had accidentally walked into the wrong movie.
2: So then we meet our group of teens we meet a redheaded girl who is essentially the virgin of the group even though she's not actually a virgin she had an affair with one of her teachers uh she has a best friend who seems like she would be the typical ditzy blonde but in reality she's actually quite smart and yeah these teen. are
0: all like accomplished Students. kids like they're all really smart every yes. single one of them
2: in walks thor before he was thor
0: Yes. So (laughs) one of the things about this about this movie is that uh, you read about it all the time and everyone will tell you every chance that they get. But they knew that Chris Hemsworth was going to be a star when they filmed that scene, when he comes into the cabin and he, like, tells everybody what's going on and what needs to happen right now. They're like, oh, he's this. This guy is it. He's going to go places. And they almost immediately cast him in Red Dawn, the remake of Red Dawn.
2: Which I've heard is terrible. I never
0: Wolverine. saw it. Wolverines.
2: <laughs> Wolverine.
0: Wolverines! Wolverines! Later on, he got cast as Thor. And both of these movies just sat there and did nothing. Because I believe they belonged to MGM and MGM was going out of business And uh, so a lot of their projects were put on hold, even though they were already complete and didn't come out for years. And so the movie didn't come out until after Thor had come out, which he got because of his roles in this and Red Dawn, which hadn't even been released yet because (laughs) they were just sitting there on the shelf for years.
2: And he is supposed to be the dumb jock, but in reality, he is also very smart. In fact, he is coaching her on what books to read and what books not to read for school. Yeah. And they are trying to set her up with his friend, who is also very, very intelligent.
0: Played by Jesse Williams.
2: Who, if I'm not mistaken, is one of the characters from- Until Dawn, yes. Yes. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes we got him killed with a hook through the bottom of his jaw
2: on accident <laughs> trying to keep them all alive the
0: two of them are really hard to keep alive i will say
2: <laughs> then we get to meet our favorite character
0: fran crans
2: fran crans he is the stoner of the fr- of the group the fool the fool yes and he is very funny and we will be quoting him. Well, I will be quoting him a lot. I'm actually already skipping some quotes cuz I just we just can't. It it would just take too long. In-
0: including the I learned it from watching you
2: mm-hmm.
3: bit,
0: which if you didn't know, was a drug PSA in the Late 80s or early 90s, where a father finds his kids drug stash. He's like, Where did you get this? Where did you learn about this? And he's like, I learned it from you, okay? I learned it from watching you. And it was like, Don't do drugs or your kids will do drugs. It was so funny. Yeah, uh-huh. Dad, answer me. Who taught you how to do this stuff?
1: You, alright? I learned it by watching you. Parents who use drugs.
3: I have children who use drugs.
1: What are these? What are you doing with these? Okay, I get it. I'll leave the books. No, no, no. Who
0: gave you these? Who taught you about these?
1: I learned it from you,
2: okay? I learned it from watching you!
0: The writing in this movie is incredible. Well,
2: it's Joss Whedon. It's
0: Joss Whedon, who is famous for just being incredible with dialogue, working with one of his uh, partners, Drew Goddard, who worked with him on a couple of his TV shows. And they work really, really well together. And they Most wrote this notably. Movie, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes. And they work really well together. And this was their plan. They just wanted to write something. And so they locked themselves in a hotel room for a weekend. And just wrote the whole fucking thing. And they, it turned out really, really well. And Drew Goddard, this is his first time directing. He's never directed before. And he convinced Joss Whedon to let him direct. And according to Joss Whedon, a- actually, and Drew Goddard, they both said something about how partway into this, Joss Whedon was like, or as they were in pre-production, Joss Whedon was like, ah, I really wish I was the one directing this. Because <laughs> it's just that good. Very, very well made. Yeah, it's raining. Sorry, people, if you hear rain outside, this is like our only chance to record this, and it's starting raining season in Southern California, so it'll rain probably three times by the end of the year, and (laughs) this happens to be one of those times.
2: So they are going, these kids are all going for a weekend trip to Thor's cousin's cabin.
0: I don't even think he has a cousin. (laughs) Yeah, they say that later.
2: They're all getting in the Rambler, their uh, motorhome, and driving out there. And on the drive up, we get to know these characters. And the blonde girl is like, how do we even know how to get there? This isn't even on GPS, which should tell you something. Never go to a place that isn't in GPS. But, uh, of course, the stoner is like... Oh, that's the point—to get off the grid and enjoy the world the way it once was. Nope, yeah. nope, not in this day and age. If something isn't on GPS, stay k- far away from there. <laughs> uh, another scene with the people behind the scenes. What should we call them? Downstairs and upstairs? Like they downstairs did- and
0: upstairs is the way they described it when they were making the movie. Downstairs is the behind-the-scenes stuff. Upstairs is the cabin.
2: The men behind the curtain.
0: Yes, and women.
2: True. And we see that they have a new security guard who has never done this before. So he's kind of the stand-in for audience members. He's the one that gets everything explained to him. His
0: name is Truman.
2: Yes. And I've recognized that actor, too. In fact, I'd say that the only two actors I haven't seen in anything else would be the two girls.
0: Yeah, because they're not in much else. Uh, Truman is played by Brian White. You would know him from the game plan, Stomp the Yard. He was also in the Family Stone, which I never saw. And Lynn, the, the chem lady, the lady from the chemistry team, played by Amy Acker, who you would know from Angel. She was in a lot of Angel, uh, Alias, Alias, Catch me if you can. Not like crazy famous, but you definitely recognize them. Kristen Connolly is Dana. Uh, she looks a lot different, I think, outside of this movie for whatever reason. Has been in practically nothing as well. Famous for being in The Happening as Woman Reading on Bench. <laughs> Meet Dave as Makeout Girl. Like, she hasn't been in very much at all. (laughs) And Jules, played by Anna Hutchinson, who is actually from New Zealand.
2: Yeah, that was weird hearing her with an accent.
0: Right. Uh, She's in also, like, nothing. She was in the Anger Management TV series, the Spartacus TV series. She uh, She was the Yellow Ranger in Power Rangers Jungle Fury. Like, you wouldn't know her from anything.
2: Okay. Then cut back to the kids. They get stopped at a gas station and we meet the Harbinger, which is
0: Mordecai. A, a
2: character that we talk about a lot in this doomed. series.
0: You're all doomed.
2: There is always a Harbinger character. and Yeah. What you ha- well, I guess, should we just spoil it?
0: Uh, yeah, no, I said before, okay. we're going to go straight spoilers.
2: So everything in this movie is meant to show you... Tropes of horror movies and make them make sense, essentially.
0: So yeah, horror- but as to why they would happen when they seem like they wouldn't happen anyway. As Goddard and Whedon describe it, it was the whole movie is an attempt to revitalize the slasher film genre and it's a critical satire of torture porn.
2: Mm hmm.
0: Which, good for them, because fuck torture porn.
2: (laughs) Yes. So the Harbinger, like we said, is in every horror movie. He's the character that shows up and basically has a huge sign that says, get the fuck out or you're going to die. And these characters never listen to him.
0: And that's the whole point. They need to transgress of their own free will.
2: And ordinarily you would think, well, why wouldn't, if you're telling me that all these characters are actually very smart, then why wouldn't they, why wouldn't they listen to this guy? Well, because he's an asshole, he's a sexist Uh, asshole, so they choose not to listen to him because he seems...
0: Right, the bigger deal is that he's rude to them, and they just think he's nuts, and so they write him off.
2: Exactly. There's some really good lines here, um... The, f- the best ones are always going to be from Fran Kranz. For me, I'm always going to say his lines. The Harbinger says, you know, I've been here since the war. The blonde
0: chick says, which war? Uh-huh. And you know damn well which war. Yeah,
2: and then he goes, would that be the war with the blue and the gray southern brother fighting against brother? <laughs> and he's like, are you smart-mouthing me, boy? And he's like, you were wor- rude to my friend. And he's like, that yeah. war? Yeah. And that's what... Causes them okay Uh (laughs) it's
1: time To go well good luck With your business sir I know the railroad's coming through here Any day now that's gonna be big Streets paved with Actual street
2: Fucker and then they Drive up and as they are Driving We see a bird Coming towards them and the bird Hits a a wall That you cannot see and dies Yeah uh huh I mean, personally, I don't know why they have that. Oh, I guess it's because they can control everything inside. Yes. So they need to have that so that other outside influences can't
0: Exactly. They anything. can control absolutely everything about that it.
2: That makes sense. Not that I think about it. Okay. So they get to the cabin and they're all getting settled into their rooms. This must be an enormous cabin because there's four rooms in it.
0: Yeah. It's really <laughs> deep. Yes. You see it from the front.
2: It looks tiny. It looks
0: kind of tiny, but it's really deep. (laughs) Uh, And this is a reference to... Evil Dead. Evil Dead. There are a couple of references to Evil Dead. Uh, I can think of four of them off the top of my head. The first one being the cabin itself. Now, like I said earlier, I think it might have been in the last episode, actually. Kelsey was going to pair the cabin in the woods up with Evil Dead 2, and that was a fantastic choice. I harangued her into (laughs) pairing it with Scream so we can have like a horror movie tropes episode instead. But that would have been an amazing episode anyway. And I can't wait till we get to talk about Evil Dead 2.
2: So they're all getting into their rooms and smart friend, the scholar. Holden. Holden. I love that name. I love Holden. So, Holden, the scholar, comes into his room and sees this awful painting of, like, these people slaughtering, like, lambs, I think.
0: Yeah, they're sacrificing some animal.
2: Which is what the Harbinger says.
0: Lambs to the slaughter or something like that? Later, the lamb have come
2: to the slaughter. Yeah. And uh, then there's somebody in the background watching. Uh Uh-huh and it's it's pretty much exactly what we're seeing in the film.
0: Right. He takes the painting down and it finds out that it's a two-way mirror and he can see Dana and, and she's starting about to, to change get undressed,
2: he's going to get into the water.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. And uh. he stops it. They're like what the fuck is going on? <sighs> and they have their theories like they had to create their own interrogation rooms. <laughs> uh, and so they decide to switch rooms.
2: Yes. And like I said, they're supposed to be getting set up and they have a really cute little conversation and then it gets really awkward.
0: Yeah. <laughs> really she brings out, you know, Jules is actually pre yeah. so You, you should, should have, her, have look her look at it.
2: it. <laughs> she like walks away. It's very funny. These these guys are very hilarious. Uh-huh. Uh, very well written. Cut back to the downstairs people, and we find out that they are doing a bunch of different things to try and make them stupid. They have put stuff inside the hair dye. Yeah. The blonde girl just dyed her hair blonde. Jules. Jules, yes. So that is going to make her cognitive function go down. I think they spiked the beer as well. Yeah,
0: for Kurt mainly. Yes. But that's also for everyone uh, um,
2: Frank Kranz's stash. He's a he's a pot smoker, so his weed is supposed to be all fucked up. Uh huh. I think that's it, right? That's there? that's
0: all they mention here. But yeah. the, you get the impression that they've been working a while trying to get this all set up and prepared so people make dumb decisions.
2: Yes, and upping their libido. Yeah, giving them pheromones and shit. So just making them dumb people, which is exactly what we're used to seeing in slashers.
0: Yes. It, it's an explanation for why people make dumb decisions, for why they go upstairs instead of out the front door.
2: And it's in this scene that we get the hilarious scene with Mordecai the Harbinger on yes, the speakerphone. Yes, my speaker. <laughs> and I mean, like... I could do the entire speech that he gives, and it's so funny. I'll just put it here.
0: Yeah. It's just gonna go here, here it is.
1: Mordecai, baby, what's happening? How's the weather up top? The lambs have passed through the gate. They are come to the killing floor. Well, you're, you're doing a great job out there. By the numbers, man, you gotta start it off just right. So we'll talk to you later, okay? Their blind eyes see nothing of the horrors to come. Their ears are stopped. They are the god's fools. Mm. That's how it works Cleanse them Cleanse the world of their ignorance and sin Bathe them in the crimson of Am I on speakerphone? No, absolutely not Speakerphone, no, no, I wouldn't do that Yes, I am I can hear the echo Oh my God, you're right Hang on one second, I'll take you off That's rude I don't know who's in the room Fine, there You're off Thank you Take this lightly, boy. It wasn't all by your numbers. The fool nearly derailed the invocation with his insolence. The ancient ones see everything, and they will not be... (laughs) I'm still on speakerphone, aren't I? (laughs) Oh my god, Mordecai! (laughs) I can't believe it, it did it again. (laughs) Mordecai?
2: What happened (laughs) to that? It's Mordecai. He's kind of freaking me out. (laughs) (laughs) It's very, very funny. But this is my one biggest complaint with Uh the film. Sure. They're talking and they're walking around. And in the background, you can see all this information about the kids, right? Mm Mm-hmm. You can see their heartbeats.
0: I wrote that down as well. Like I said, we're going to go full spoilers here. You should have watched it. You shouldn't be listening to us describe it if you haven't seen it already. But at one point, they mark Fran as being dead, Marty, and because he gets dragged away. Now, this is a trope of horror movies, which is why they do it, which is if you don't see somebody killed on screen, they are not dead Mm -hmm. until you see the body, basically, which is what Scream was trying to get over when you see Billy in quotes, killed in front of you mm-hmm. when he's stabbed by the killer. They're, they're trying to throw you off because you're used to expecting people killed off screen if they're going to actually survive. This, they actually do the trope in order to comment on it. The problem is you are right. We do see their heartbeat at this point, and they would know for damn sure if he was dead or not. And there's no way if they saw that heartbeat monitor, they wouldn't be checking that every time they thought somebody was dead.
2: Exactly. Yeah. It, it, it bothered me the very it's first the time I saw it. It's the biggest plot
0: hole of the movie.
2: It's pretty much, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's
0: the only one of note, I would say.
2: Yeah, and yeah. it just drives me insane. Uh-huh. Every time I see it, it just makes me seethe. Because <laughs> it's like, come on. How could Joss Whedon have looked that over?
0: Right. I mean – it didn't need to be there.
2: Yeah, they uh, didn't even need to have it.
0: I mean, you would expect somebody who was so prepared at this that they would have some sort of heart rate monitor. <laughs> exactly. But you can exactly. easily explain it away of like, okay, how did they get that heart rate monitor on them anyway? Right? So just take it out. Let's see a uh, uh, director's cut, and the only thing they change is
2: <laughs> they take
0: out the heart monitor.
2: Yes. And then we see that they are betting on something. We don't know what it is yet. And the intern comes up and and uh, the other Hadley is like, oh, you can't do this one unless you want to split the pot with maintenance. And he's like, but maintenance always chooses that. <laughs> and he's like, they're maintenance. If they were more creative, they wouldn't be in maintenance.
0: Sorry for everyone out in the maintenance world. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's very funny. Yeah. Um, and then another guy runs up, and uh, the other dude is like, "I'm not sure we have one of those." Zoology swears that we do. Yeah. Well, they would know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is also when the kids are playing Truth or Dare.
2: Yes, we have the famous "Let's get this party started," and which
0: they do twice, and yes. then a third time later on in the movie.
2: Yes, and. It is the typical scene. It is the girl dancing. It is the guy getting drunk. It is truth or dare. They're getting high. Mm -hmm. It is all the typical things that we see in slasher movies. And it is because... They're so hopped up on all the shit that they've been pumping uh-huh, into them. That's
0: why they're behaving this way,
2: and that's why the virgin and the scholar are sitting there like the fuck is going on because right,
0: they're just kind of sipping their beer. They're not they're not drinking too much, and even Marty, he's been smoking from his secret stash, which hasn't been laced that they didn't know about. It's a secret stash for a reason. He's super paranoid, so nobody knew about it, and so he's been smoking clean pot. And not only is it not laced with the drugs, it counteracts all the other drugs that they have and that they've been using. Nice. So he is the clearest of mind, but <laughs> high as fuck.
2: Weed for the win. <laughs> yes.
0: So he's saying things that are like like that are stoner philosophical, including quotes of other things. Like he says to Dana at one point, "We are not who we are. We are not who we are." Uh, that's actually a reference to the season one episode of The X-Files, The Ice. We're not who we are. <laughs> which is itself the one that's the basically a remake of The Thing.
3: <laughs> when they're
0: stuck in that Antarctic research center, and then there's a monster that, that imitates people. And the guy, one of the characters says, we are not who we are. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's where he gets that from.
2: And after all this debauchery, cellar door flies open, which is a direct
0: reference to Evil Dead 2. Yes. Yes. And so there's number two.
2: And uh, Virgin gets dared to go down there, and they all go down there eventually, and they see all kinds of shit.
0: I have a list. I saw, it's not comprehensive, I didn't reference any other lists outside of what I actually saw with my own two eyes, things they find in the cellar. A bunch of small dolls and doll parts, porcelain masks, a carnival fortune teller machine and other carnival accoutrements, a puzzle sphere that's obviously supposed to be the lament configuration from Hellraiser, a conch, a painting of a girl, probably, I think, actually is the one we see, Patience. Yes, it is. A young girl's vanity that has the journal. So all these three things are all patient's diary, I guess is what they call it. They are all belong to patients. A wedding dress with a brooch, film reels, a music box with the ballerina, and a bottle with a cork stopper in it. So they all kind of uh, focus on all of these. Marty focuses on the film reels.
2: But before he does, he has the great line of...
0: I dare you all to go upstairs
2: (laughs) (laughs) because he wants to get the hell out of there.
0: Uh, Holden is looking at the music box. Jules is looking at the brooch. Kurt, Chris Hemsworth, is looking at the conch, and Dana is looking at the diary.
2: But he puts the conch down.
0: Well, no, they're all about to do the thing. he
2: puts the conch down and then picks up the box.
0: Oh, you're right, right. (laughs) He even kind of blows a, like over the top of it you know so it makes a little bit of noise which is important because Hadley Bradley Whiffer's character wants nothing more than to see a merman and that's what the conch calls he had it in his hands but uh, Sitterson tells him you don't want to trust me you don't want to see it plus they're a mess to clean up after. oh man I'm sorry
1: he had the conch in his I hands know, you know, in a couple more minutes who knows what might have happened I am never going to see a merman ever Two would be thankful those things are terrifying. The cleanup on them is a nightmare.
0: Yeah, so he he eventually gets the lament configuration, and they're all like tinkering with it, and he's about to solve the lament configuration, and uh, the music box is about to finish playing its song, and Jules is about to put on the brooch when Dana starts reading
2: starts from reading, the reading from the diary
0: and gets everyone's attention, which
2: is another reference to Evil Dead. Yes. So she's reading this horrific story about this torture family, stuffing coals into the mom's stomach, eating the daughter's arm, husband bulges, all this stuff. Yes. And <laughs> Marty is like, Jesus, can we not? <laughs>
0: yes. And she's like, oh, and then there's some Latin here. And he says, OK, I'm drawing a line in the fucking sand here. Do not read the Latin. Read it.
2: And Thor pushes him. And he says, read it. And and Fran, who is good friends with this guy, is like, what the fuck?
0: Yeah, he keeps not, he's baffled all the time because they're not acting the way that they should be acting.
2: Yes.
3: And
0: she ends up reading the Latin in the diary, which says, dolor Supervivo caro, dolor sublimus caro, dolor ignio animus. Which means pain outlives the flesh, pain raises the flesh, pain ignites the spirit. And once she says the magic words, she raises the zombie redneck torture family. And we have a winner.
2: The Buckners, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Yes. So this is when we get to see the entire list. This is a list of all the monsters that the people downstairs are betting on. And they're betting that they're the ones that that end up killing the kids. So here's the list and who bet on them. Werewolf, finance Alien beast, biomed Mutants, demolition Wraiths, nobody Zombies, the chem department Reptilius, nobody Reptilius is a movie, actually Uh, Uh, Clowns, electrical Witches, operations Sexy witches, architecture uh, Demons, nobody Hell lord Who is fornicus, lord of bondage and pain That's how he's listed in the credits but they also call him colloquially Head because he's basically Pinhead. Yes. The Angry Molesting Tree.
2: Which is another reference to the Evil Dead.
0: Uh-huh. That's the Wranglers. Oh, I didn't say that Sitterson bet on the Hell Lord. Giant Snake, internal logistics. Deadites, <laughs> Evil Dead. Yep. Story department. Kevin, there's a lot of talk over who Kevin can be. It's really, really popular to think that Kevin is actually... Elijah Wood's character in Sin City, whose name is Kevin. And it is kind of that. In the novelization of the movie, uh, they say something about it being like somebody who works at a Best Buy, who you wouldn't think has like bodies in his basement or whatever. A mummy, psychology. The Bride, digital analysis. That's the brooch. Scarecrow folk, data archives. Snowman, communications. Dragon bat, nobody. Nobody. Vampires Distribution, Dismemberment Goblins, nobody, Sugar Plum Fairy, that's the music box, nobody bet on that, Merman, Hadley, (laughs) The Reanimated Administrative, Unicorn Engineering, The Huron R&D, that's the Native American, Sasquatch, Wendigo, and Yeti, nobody bet on it, Kelsey, what's wrong with this?
2: Wendigos are not the same as
0: Sasquatches. They are cryptozoological beings in the American Northwest, but they're not the same thing. Wendigo are actually humans that are transformed by eating human flesh.
2: I mean, I guess- look a little get, more like Gollum. It depends but on- People's
0: de- definitions are different. Yeah. yeah uh-huh. But they're absolutely not a Sasquatch. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't put Bigfoot here instead. Right. Uh, The dolls, those are the masks, that's the uh, strangers, Mm -hmm. kitchen staff, the doctors, accounting, zombie redneck torture family, that's maintenance, and Ronald, the intern, (laughs) they split the winnings, Uh, a jack-o'-lantern, which is security, a giant, which is zoology, and the twins, which are the twins from The Shining.
3: Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's not fair, I had zombies too.
0: Yes, you did. Yes, you had zombies. But this is zombie redneck
1: torture family, see? They're entirely separate species. Like the difference between an elephant and an elephant seal. Thank you. There's always next year.
2: And it's weird to me because they have so many other creatures.
0: Well, those are the only ones that, that people voted on. Or Except the, for there's the most, ones that right, weren't
3: voted on. But those on. are the ones
0: I think that are probably the most popular. And remember, there was one that, w- that one guy asked for and they're like, I don't know if we have it. And Zoology says they do. So that w- well, must must have been written on the board. So there's probably a few that are there first that they expect people to bet on. Hmm, that makes sense.
2: Okay, so back to the kids. They are continuing to party. And then Jock and Whore leave the cabin. And Let's get- be clear.
0: Whore is the title.
2: Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think that's, about right, right, right. Her. that's we're, we're not think That's just what making, they call her. Yeah,
0: we're not making a judgment here. I can that's call the her That's the blonde
2: girl. Like, that's how... But
0: she is the whore. It's the whore, the fool, the virgin, the scholar, and the the jock? jock? Is that what they, they say? The jock? Athlete. Athlete. That's what it is.
2: Fran Kranz is just utterly confused. He knows these people. He loves these people. He does not understand what's going on. And he's like, I have a theory about all of this puppeteers. Uh-huh. And the redhead, the virgin, is like, huh? And, he, and she goes, puppeteers? And he goes, pop-tarts? <laughs> because he's high. Yes. So even though he's the smartest one and the most aware one, he's too high.
1: Yeah. You're not seeing what you don't want to see. Puppeteers. Puppeteers? Pop-tarts? Did you say you have pop-tarts? Marty? I love
2: you. You're really high. Weed for the win, kind of? Yeah. Um, okay. So Redhead and Scholar are making out, and Frank Kranz goes into his own room to read a book with pictures. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, Blonde Girl and Thor go out to have sex, and we see a little bit more of what the people downstairs can do. We see them... Uh, warm it up because she says I'm too cold.
0: Uh huh. They augment the moonlight
2: to make it brighter and
0: more romantic. They release, release pheromones, pheromones that just looks like uh, fog. Because she
2: has to prove that she is the whore, the stereotype.
0: Yes, exactly. She
2: has to have sex before she dies, and they
0: need they need nudity from her as yes. well.
2: And so she, they do, and. Unfortunately, while that is happening, up come the Buckners.
0: Yes. And they get her with one of the coolest weapons in horror movie history. It's half of a bear trap on a chain. So cool. I love that weapon. It is awesome. You get to see it in use several times throughout the movie, and I love it. Every single time,
2: they constantly use it as like a a stunner.
0: Yeah, uh huh. And then it and it, it gets and you in the back, you they back. They pull you. Same thing happens to the scholar at one point. But ultimately, what happens is the family beheads Jules. Yes, and they cut to like everyone downstairs is kind of watching with bated breath, and they're kind of unenthusiastically cheering once they finally see breasts, and and then this happens, and it gets really quiet. And then Sidderson says,
1: This we offer in humility and fear for the blessed peace of your eternal slumber as it ever was.
0: As it ever was. Mm-hmm. And then they repeat as it ever was as if it were the amen at the end of that prayer.
2: Back to the kids and Fran Kranz is in the bedroom reading Little Nemo. And every time I see it, I'm like, I want to read Little Nemo. <laughs> and he hears a whisper I want to go
0: for a walk. Yeah.
2: And he's like, what the fuck?
0: <laughs> this is really... a reference, obviously, to the Amityville Horror.
2: Yes. Of
0: the voice telling you to do things.
2: Yes. And he's he's just like, what the fuck? I heard a voice. <laughs> and it says it again. I want to go for a walk. And he's like, I'm not a puppet. You think you can make me do what you want to do? And then five seconds later, he's like. I'm going to go for a walk.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm fed up with this place. I'm going for a walk.
2: Uh, So he walks outside. I think he's peeing. He is. Okay. He's
0: just several paces away from the front door peeing. Right? Like,
2: who does that right in front of the house?
0: (laughs) When in comes Kurt.
2: (laughs) Well, no. Before Kurt shows up, we see Patience sauntering up behind him. Oh, yeah.
0: And he doesn't know she's there. Yes. But Kurt shows up and is like, oh, they killed me, rah, rah, rah. And he
2: hits Patience yeah, in
0: the he face. He clotheslines <laughs> her and she flips upside down. <laughs> it's so awesome. Yes. Those are like the best clotheslines in wrestling when they do a complete flip. And they run inside and they close the door and everyone's like, what the fuck is going on? Until Dana opens the door and they're trying to tell her not to and the father is there and he throws jewel's head into her hands and i have to say one of the most impressive fake heads i've ever seen in a movie it looked fantastic if we're talking about how drew barrymore's dead body and scream looked good for the time but doesn't hold up very well i imagine this will hold up very well for years to come (laughs) it just looked so good and no cgi either because CGI ages poorly. It's just a practical effect, and it looks amazing.
2: And they're able to get him out of the house. And Thor is like, we have to stay together no matter what. And they're all like, yeah. And then they're walking, and they're just like, and downstairs is like, ah, fuck. And they put some sort of gas chemical yeah, into the uh-huh. air. And Thor's suddenly like, this isn't right. We should split up.
0: And the oh, the the scholar says, yeah, we should. <laughs> And Marty's like, what? Really? <laughs> really? <laughs>
1: Look, we're going to lock this place down. He's right. We'll go room by room, barricade every window and door. we got to play it safe. No matter what happens, we have to stay together. Fuck. Calm down. Watch the master work. This isn't right. What? What's the matter? This isn't right. We should split up. We can cover more ground that way. Yeah. Yeah, good idea. Really?
2: And so they all get into their rooms and the doors slam and lock on them. Yes. This is when Frank Ranz knocks over a lamp and finds a camera. Like
0: a little fiber optic camera, those really small ones in the lamp. And he's like... I'm on a reality TV show. My parents are going to think I'm such a burnout. <laughs> which is a great similar line to my parents are going to be so mad at me. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. I'm on a reality TV
1: show. <laughs> my parents are going to think I'm such a burnout.
2: Now, at this point, downstairs is like, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck. We need to put a bunch of shit into the air. But then they're like, oh, we don't have to. Here comes one of the Buckners.
0: They'll do it for us, yeah.
2: Why not do it anyway?
0: I think what they're talking about is a last resort where they, like, abort. Not abort, but they, like, Drug them and it doesn't happen the way they want it to happen. And so it's like the worst case scenario for them short of complete failure. So they don't want to do it.
2: If the Buckners
0: can do it, then they should let them do it.
2: Yeah, so he gets taken by that guy and dragged out into the woods, and we are supposed to think that he is dead, but he is not. But the people downstairs would fucking know. This is when
0: I wrote, don't they have heart rate monitors? (laughs) Now, the movie knows that they got it wrong, and it's not shy about it, because when they do the blood release thing, the ceremonial bloodletting or whatever, and they just have blood. It doesn't have to be that person's blood, or maybe it's blood they obtained from them over the course of time prior to this, but... Uh, the whole place shakes, and there's only one other time I think that happens.
2: It's at the end,
0: which is at the end when things
2: are going th- south.
0: Well, the director falls in. Oh, ah. it's when the sacrifices aren't done properly. The whole place shakes. They're they're waking up,
2: and they're pissed. Yes. Everybody else that's left inside the house, the virgin, the scholar, the athlete, they all go down into the basement and they find the room where they, where the torture family tortures people. The black room. Yes. And they are able to subdue the father of the Buckners. And this is when the worst line of the entire film is in there. Okay. You like pain? How's that for you?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh-huh.
2: No. Never. Never The crowbar do it. in the eye or in it's, the face. It or was the same thing in Don't Breathe. Uh-huh. Remember she had a line like that? I don't remember yeah. what it was. But those lines are always bad. Don't yeah. do it.
0: I mean, if we're talking about if we're if we're talking about subverting tropes, we shouldn't dig so deeply into one of the biggest tropes that transcends horror movies and is an all general action movies or even adventure movies, which is the one line stinger. When you do something incredible Like mm-hmm. It's famous for being Arnold Schwarzenegger's thing Like Don't do those mm-hmm. I know you feel good if you're in the in the moment But on repeat watchings it's not quite as good
2: Mm-mm. And I loved this It's so small that you might not catch it the first time you see it She has the knife in her hand Yeah And one of the guys downstairs Twitches it
0: yeah, he hits a button, and it gives a little, like, static shock.
2: And so she releases the knife. Uh-huh. Because that's another trope, that they always drop their weapon. Yeah, they
0: own all the weapons, unless they're, like, a really important one that needs to, like, exchange hands or come up as a surprise, all the weapons only get used once and then never again. And you're like, well, why don't you just do that to all of them? Mm-hmm. You know, well, this is the reason why. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, and we haven't been mentioning that this whole time, um, the Americans have felt okay if they don't f- if they don't make it because the Japanese have a hundred percent rating. Well, it's at this point that Japan fails for the first time. Yes,
0: so we have a Samara type character from Ring or Ringu. Uh, basically, every location that does one of these events every year. Is something from their culture, right? Like, it's native to them. So in this one, it's like Japanese ghost horror movies, and it's attacking a bunch of young Japanese schoolgirls, and they defeat it with the power of love and friendship,
2: <laughs>
3: which
0: I fucking love.
2: And they put it into Turn a Turn it into a
0: frog. A
2: happy frog. It
0: is hilarious. Yes. Especially if you love Japanese culture and horror movies, like it's awesome. But you have other ones. There's a
2: We didn't write them down, did you?
0: No, I didn't write them down, but off the top of my head, like Sweden has a giant troll thing. What else is there? I don't know. Oh, there's like a there's like a Transylvania one somewhere in Eastern Europe. So, yeah, like you have It's like Dr. Frankenstein or Count Dracula's castle is on fire or whatever in that one. Uh, So, yeah, but it's part of whatever their culture's horror movie tropes are, which I think is really cool.
2: Yes. So the kids have gotten into the Rambler and are trying to drive away. And again, America's not too concerned until they realize that the tunnel never caved in. It's this big debacle and one of the guys runs all the way down to whatever they're called, demolition or whatever, Uh and is able to, at the very last second, make the tunnel cave in. Yeah, if he had been any later. Which is exactly what happens in horror movies. Yeah,
0: which which if they had been any later, it would have have caved in on, or it would have caved in on them, which is not what they want either. Mm -hmm. But yeah, things like this happen, Like in Evil Dead, when you go back and, oh, it's been raining so much that the bridge is out. (laughs) Like, it just happens and now you can't get out. They need a reason to explain that. Oh, well, the cave collapsed. Mm -hmm. But I got to say, they do a really good job of making that moment action-packed and intense. That you're kind of rooting for the tunnel to cave in. Coupled with the fact that you want to see where this goes. Mm -hmm. Right? So if they get out... It feels like it would be the end, and you don't want this to end. You want to see where the rest of this goes. You kind of want them to get trapped in there. (laughs) Also, coupled again with the fact that you know a little bit about what they're doing. All we know at this point is that they're trying to prevent the end of the world. And that they're making us – these kids are a sacrifice in order to prevent the world from being destroyed.
2: Yes. So, okay. All right. We can no longer go through the tunnel. So Thor is like, I can use my dirt bike – and cross this jump. Uh-huh. And he does – he gives this great
0: – Speech. Yeah, speech. So awesome. <laughs> a and great version of that. What should have been the one-liner, like a bad one-liner, and then maybe they talk about how bad that – is that a one-liner? What the fuck was <laughs> that? Would have been a great drop in there. Here, it's so obvious that it's meant to be like super cheesy. Yes. And then completely deflates when he tries the jump –
2: and he hits the wall that we saw earlier. Yes,
0: and tumbles to his death, hitting that wall over and over and over again as he spins, kind of like the body that falls out of the Titanic and hits the propeller. Yes, <laughs> it's true. It's this morbid, like, oh, 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 but that's kind of cool. <laughs>
2: So now it's just the Scholar and the Virgin. So they get into the Rambler, and the Scholar is trying to think of a way to get out, and Virgin is just like, you're missing the point. Puppeteers, we're not getting out of here. Yeah. And he's like, no, you gotta stay with me. You're the last person. You've gotta stay sane. She's like, okay, I will. And then, boom, right through the back of the neck, the Scholar gets it from one of the Buckners.
0: Who apparently has just been sitting in the Rambler, chilling, chilling like waiting for them. I don't Why he know. didn't attack earlier. I don't know. See, they don't they don't explain that. Like that is definitely a trope that I feel like the filmmakers fell victim to instead of commenting on, which they did for most of it.
2: So the scholar is killed and he hits the accelerator and they go into the lake. The virgin survives, she gets up on the dock. Cut back to downstairs.
0: And they're About to celebrate.
2: Well, first they're watching Uh it and Hadley's like, I don't know why, but I'm really rooting for this girl. You know, she's got so much heart and she's trying so hard. Tequila is my lady.
0: (laughs) I have that written down here. It's so
1: strange. I'm I'm actually rooting for this girl. She's got so much heart. You think of all the pain and the... Tequila is my lady! My lady! Come on in, guys. Come on in, come on in. You're welcome. Tequila we from darkness. There is light!
2: So I don't know what that's supposed to tell us about him as a character. Because at this point... He doesn't
0: want to be seen as vulnerable. He's, is that what it yeah, is? It, it's like a, he's supposed to seem excited. And he doesn't feel excited about it anymore. I'll go back to something that... Drew Goddard said about making this film and what gave him the inspiration for having the downstairs scenarios play out the way that they did. He grew up in Los Alamos, New Mexico, where they developed nuclear bombs in the middle of the desert in these concrete facilities. Scientists, maintenance workers, like all these different groups working together just like it's a normal job, normal routine, normal lives but the whole time they're building nuclear weapons that could destroy the entire world. And that's the kind of sense that he wanted to have here, that there was something really serious and dire going on. It's about death, but people try to act and accomplish acting normal. There's a really good line towards the beginning where when the chemist girl and the security guy are talking, he brings up monsters, magic, you gods? gods. You get used to it. Should you? Like, it's this really kind of heavy moment. He's almost the moral center that, I shouldn't say moral center. He's the other moral side, I guess, for the people that work downstairs. So not including the kids upstairs. That's, yeah, this may be saving the world, but is it worth it if you have to do this? And that's the big question that comes up at the end of this movie is, yeah, it's the better choice in terms of saving lives and continuing the world, but is it worth it? Is the cost actually worth it, even though the alternative is for everyone to die? And if you're going to go through with it, should you ever get used to that? Shouldn't it always be something that, weighs heavily on you and when Bradley Whitford's character like st- it starts to weigh on him and he's starting to reveal that and he hasn't been around as long as Sitterson has and everyone comes in he's got to put, put the mask back up Tequila is my lady yeah.
2: and then we get REO Speedwagon blasting which is awesome yeah and meanwhile, while everyone in the room is celebrating, you can see up on the big TV that the Virgin is, is still fighting one of the Buckners,
0: yeah, for her life. And it's a fight scene that we don't get to see close up hardly at all
2: because it doesn't matter if she lives or not.
0: Right, she's Final the last girl. girl, girl. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: There's always got to be the last one. It's the Virgin. She's the one that mm-hmm. may live or may die. Some
0: movies they die. Some movies they don't.
2: Most movies they don't. But yeah, mm-hmm. it all depends. And so they're all celebrating, and Sitterson goes and kind of gloats in front of Demolition, and they're just like, no, you don't understand. There was a reroute from upstairs, and he's like,
0: what do you mean? Upstairs, and that's when they get a the phone, phone call. phone call from the red phone. <laughs> yeah, so the director is calling, and it's basically like you missed one.
2: hmm And cut to virgin almost being killed and then at the last second saved by Stoner uh
0: who catches the awesome half bear trap chain weapon on his extended
2: bong which can turn into a coffee mug which is a real thing they designed yeah, they, it specifically dev- for this movie and, and
0: tested it so it works, apparently. It's amazing. And he ends up hitting the guy with it, too. And they end up getting away. hmm And he shows her where he's been this whole time. He fought off the other zombie, destroyed it. It's now just like a hand.
2: Yeah, she walks by it, and he's like, yeah, I had to dismember that guy with a trowel. <laughs> 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 what and, have you been
0: up to? <laughs> and Yeah, he was dragged into their grave, which is where they came from. And he sees that it's some sort of facility, and there's an electrical panel that – they never say outright, but that's what happened.
2: He fucked with it. He
0: fucked with the electrical. hmm And that's what prevented – he probably didn't know what he was doing, but that's what prevented the, the dynamite from going off originally and caving in the cave. Mm-hmm. And he And sh- he reveals that he's almost got this door in the floor open, and when it opens – He thinks it's an elevator. Yeah. And some of the zombie guts fall into it as well.
2: And he's like, I think I can get it to go down. And she says, do we want to go down? And he's like, what other choice do we have?
0: Yeah. Uh And she knows that because she knows there's no other way out.
2: So they do. They go down and uh, the zombie arm, as Chris says, falls in. And they get brought down into a enormous room in which there are tons of creatures in boxes waiting to go up after their
0: prey. So, there's a count of 68 monsters. Do you want to know what they are?
2: Just the ones that you didn't list
0: earlier. All right. The <laughs> this is what the wiki calls them. American slow-walking creepy girl. So like some it's like Samara. Not the Ringu version. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ancient Ones. We know those are the monsters downstairs. We get to see Kronos. That's his hand that comes up at the end. They're the ones preventing the, the world from being destroyed. Uh, the Balding Menace. The Blob. A Boomer from Left for Dead. The Bullhead Phantom. The Cow Skull Giant. That's only in behind the scenes. You don't see it in the actual movie. A Charger from Left 4 Dead. Creature with patterned segments of armor on its head, creeping shadow, Cthulhu creature, Cyclops, dark spirit, face peeler, floating leech creature, flock of killer birds, four-legged saddle creature, garden gnome boy, giant alligator, giant ant, giant ape, giant cat... Giant centipedes, giant crow, giant deers, giant ferrets, giant floating head, giant insects, giant lizard, giant millipede, giant owl, giant tarantula, giant toad, giant woman, gladiator demon. That's in the companion. You never actually see it. Ghost gorilla, hell lord minion. We saw that the humanoid, a hunter from Left for Dead, Japanese floaty girl, which is the one from Japan, a killer robot, Ku Klux clan member, the kraken. Man in transparent tarp, mutant girl, mutant in hospital gown, ogre, which is behind the scenes, pale serpent, phantom, uh, prince of darkness behind the scenes, pterodactyls, they're mentioned in an interview, puffy tentacle creature, rabid dogs, a reaver from Firefly, which actually is never seen in Firefly, it's only seen in Serenity the movie, but they have him in here. He's the guy that grabs the dude and throws him off the balcony and he falls all the way down. That's a reaver from Serenity. The Huron, a uh, slimy horned cloak creature, a smoker from Left for Dead, uh, the old man, the red fiend, the reptilian, the suffocators, the undead warmonger, the tank from Left for Dead, a tentacle thing, a troll, a two-headed creature, and the witch from Left for Dead. There was going to be a tie-in, but then when the movie was never released, they didn't end up doing the tie-in. And then it was released later, and they're like, well, we got to fill all these chambers. Let's just leave them in.
2: And this is where Virgin and Fool figure out that they made us choose, etc. And then, of course, the people downstairs find them, and they send somebody in there to kill the Fool. But Zombie Hand kills him.
0: Yes, he's the dude who's in... That bay in the elevator room, he watches that vestibule, I guess. And so when they come down and it's unauthorized, he's the only one there. He pulls a gun on him, zombie hand grabs him, and they can attack him. The crew who's actually going to greet them comes in later. They're already in that booth, and they're like, fuck it, what have we got to lose? Let's get this party started. Hits the emergency purge button.
2: Which is the second big thing for me. Why would they have that? Why would you need it? When would you need it? I don't know. Why does that button exist? I don't know. <laughs> because it's a movie. Yeah.
0: And this is when all the monsters come out and it's one of the greatest moments in horror history.
2: It is such an epic
0: and a couple of scenes. It's only, it hasn't even been a decade yet and it's iconic.
2: It is so wonderful. You get to see all those creatures Released on these people who have made a living out of killing Killing kids. kids. Yeah. uh And it is fantastic. It is a horror genre lover's dream. (laughs) Amidst all this chaos, they eventually leave and they're running to get free somehow. And during all of this, Hadley.
0: Okay, so this is what (laughs) happened. First, the security guy Truman is killed by the scarecrow folk. Yes. The woman from chemistry is killed by a giant tentacle. Sitterson is killed by Dana.
2: On accident.
0: Or how does he die again?
2: They round the corner and he spooks her.
0: And she, she shoots him, yeah. No,
2: with a with a knife. She sticks oh, him. Oh, okay. And then he's like, kill him. Just kill him. And I think that's a real big testament to these people.
0: It's like even when he's dying,
2: it's not about us. Yeah, it's not about this. It is about the rest of the world, right? And they take that very seriously,
0: right? They fall that de- they fall on one side of this issue, and they feel very strongly about it. And it's important to them to protect the world. Yeah, that's he doesn't what they even feel. They're doing that.
2: He's dying. That means nothing right. to him. He's just like just kill the fool. The
0: only thing he can think about is kill the fool. Yeah, and Hadley. After an explosion he's knocked onto the floor and he can't move. And flop, flop, flop. Here comes the merman, which is this giant grotesque creature that is supposed to like be a mix of a mermaid and the creature from the black lagoon, but he's this crazy monster. And he has a blowhole and Hadley goes, "Oh, come on." <laughs> Oh, come on. And the merman climbs on him and starts eating him. And then we see why there's such a mess to clean up after. Blood just shoots out of its blowhole and gets everywhere. Mm -hmm. Apparently they did that in one take. They had to because it was just so messy. It would be too difficult to clean up after it. The cleanup on him is a nightmare. Uh, So they finally make it downstairs to where all of these etchings... Where the blood has been flowing through them of these five tropes, the whore, she's corrupted, she dies first. The athlete, the scholar, the fool, and the virgin, who can live or die, are all down there. And they finally figure out what's going on, you know, how it's a sacrifice and all of that. And that's when the director shows up. Sigourney Weaver.
2: Yes. And she explains that they are being punished for being young.
0: Yeah, you know, they have to be young as well.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. And she's explaining, look, either the fool dies or the fool dies and everyone else in the world dies. Yes. So, and she's, the way she puts it is pretty good. You can either die for them or you can die with them. And the stoner is just like, well, they're just both so enticing. But it's like, I don't know. If it were me, I would just be like, oh, Well, this is shitty. I guess just kill me.
0: Yeah. And that's the way Dana feels. And she pulls the gun on Marty. And she says she's sorry. And he says he's sorry, too. (sighs) Turns out he's sorry because a werewolf is coming up behind Dana and bites her. So she's going to turn into a werewolf if she survives. But she's not going (laughs) to. And the werewolf runs away because Marty shoots at it. He takes the gun. He gets into a fight with the director. And then.
2: The Buckners, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Patience shows up and they maneuver in such a way.
2: Now, why Patience just walks right by Virgin Girl? I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's a good question.
2: I assume it's because she recognizes that 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 she's going to die. No. Oh. I think it's that she recognizes that the virgin is about to die.
0: Right. Because she she's is dying. she's bleeding yeah. out.
2: And so I think it's like I should go after the people who are obviously still alive.
0: Yeah, and preoccupied.
2: But that's me making a jump. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> and Marty sees that she's coming and spins around the director who he's fighting with until Patience can come up and attack Sigourney Weaver.
2: She only has one arm. So she throws, she she sticks her axe inside the head of the director. Uh-huh. And. With
0: all of her forward momentum and everything. It no, has Fran
2: all... pushes. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. The director off. And oh, she Patience goes with it. Yes, is holding on to she's... her axe. And she gets pulled down with her.
0: And so Dana apologizes to Marty again. And they decide, you know what, maybe the world should just end. If this is the world and this is what it's got to take, just start it all over. Just reset it all. And Marty pulls out a joint that he keeps in his pocket at all times and lights it up. And they smoke. And then up comes the hand of Kronos and slams down on the ground in the end of the movie. Yes. So, we asked you guys, if you're not following us on Twitter, you absolutely should be. I polled the audience. Were they right to let the world end? Or should Dana have killed Marty? Your options are end the world or kill the fool. First of all, what's your response?
2: I've been giving this a lot of thought. Yeah. And it's really hard. It is. It's really
0: hard. To have to kill somebody... Kill your friend. That is innocent. That is your friend. And imagine that this is what the people in this facility have to do all the time, except, number one, they don't know them personally, but they do get to know them intimately. And like Hadley says, like you know, you end up rooting for them, and you have to be the orchestrator of their demise, which could be very, very difficult. But still.
2: My gut always goes to
0: killed fool. my that's interesting my gut goes the apps the opposite direction which is if the world is going to end because there's some crazy monster then i'm i would rather that happen due to my inaction than my friend die due to my deliberate action
2: but see that's what i'm saying if Uh i was in the situation I couldn't kill my friend. Right. I couldn't do it. If I were the fool, I would say, just kill me. I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> if that's me. But if I was in the situation, I couldn't do it.
0: But if you are the fool, you can, like, throw yourself off or whatever.
2: Yeah. And, and my gut tells me the world is more important. But I love this ending.
0: It's so good.
2: I think it's fantastic.
0: And what it is, is it is a – it's basically a siren's call <laughs> saying – People who are making horror movies, start over. These are all tropes. Everyone knows them. We've now They've now been thoroughly roasted. Make new stuff. Society needs to crumble. We're all just too chicken shit to let it. Five, Mr. Rance. You will come to see things my way. Do it differently. Start over.
2: Which they are. I don't know if it's for the best.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and there there has been lately a turn in horror movie culture. And
2: they've been interesting and they've been mm-hmm. thought-provoking and exciting and new and fresh. But I I
0: don't know. We'll see. So what do you think the results are?
2: I'm going to guess that most people say end the world. No. Really?
0: 72% said kill the fool. 28% said end the world. Our buddy Bob, who was on a Christine episode, said, selfish bitch, but love the ending. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, people are thinking logically about this. Kill him. Yeah, it would suck, but save the rest of the world. You're a hero, basically. Mm -hmm. But it is, like you say, Kelsey, you're right. It's not an easy decision to think, to put yourself in that position and need to decide. And be the one to actually pull the trigger. It's not as easy as just going, oh, yeah, sure. Like, logically, you might be able to think that. But, Mm -hmm. you know. So that's why you're right. I really like the end of this movie. That they make the wrong decision. They make the right decision thematically. Mm -hmm. But they make the morally wrong decision. At least as far as most people feel. But it's still compelling and realistic and believable. And it's not really – it's tragic that they had to go through that, but the end of the world isn't like – that's not the tragedy. I don't know.
2: It's so good.
0: Yeah. This
2: movie is so good.
0: Lightning round, Kelsey. Do you have anything else? I have a couple of things.
2: I could go on and on about this movie, but I'm not going to. I've said all the important stuff. This
0: movie is awesome. Go see it. It's it's, it's really awesome. Uh, I have a few things. Uh, We see Ron, the intern, hold up a sign in one of the TVs, but we can't make it out. The sign says, help me. I'm in the utility closet. A dragon bat has my scent. I'm Ronald, the intern. (laughs) All of those shots on the TVs were real, except for the one where they push into the TV and it's just a transition from one scene to the next. And we see them in the elevator. That's the only one that's fake. All the rest are real shots on the TV, and they couldn't zoom in and actually make the sign readable, unfortunately. According to IMDb, even though it's actually more like seven or eight billion, the body count is 69. Nice. <laughs> so, Kelsey, what do you think this movie has on Rotten Tomatoes?
2: 94.
0: 91. Ah. Overrated or underrated?
2: Barely underrated.
0: The Cabin in the Woods is an astonishing meta feat, capable of being funny, strange, and scary, frequently all at the same time. It's Metacritic of 72, and a cinema score of a C.
2: What the fuck?
0: Metacritic is always going to be inside the curve, so if it's a good score, like if it's on the positive side of 50%, then Metacritic will be lower than Rotten Tomatoes, and vice versa. Uh, that's usually the case 90% of the time. Uh, but because it's not asking you straight up and down like Rotten Tomatoes is, like or don't like, it's easy for 91% of people saying that to say they like it, but if you're going to give it a score, 72 is the Metacritic average.
2: That's a tragedy.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you also have to think that if you give it 4 out of 5 stars, that's an 80% right there. Metacritic's Translation of scores is not the best. If you give movies scores like A, B, C, D, and F, that's five ratings. So if you give it an F, that's a 20% rating. If you give it a D, that's a 40% rating. It doesn't translate like a school grade does. (laughs) So you can see how sometimes uh, the way Metacritic does it, it can be a little bit more harsh on good movies and better on bad movies. As a result of that. What would you give it?
2: Probably a 95.
0: Uh, wow. I was thinking 95 and I was going to be like, I don't want to be gushing. I'll give it a 94. And mm-hmm. then you said 94 is what you thought it would get on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, 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 you've emboldened me. I will give it a 95 <laughs> as well.
2: This movie is so good. It is – like he just said, it can be scary at times. Mm-hmm. Not a ton, but it can be.
0: Right, because they give you a peek behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. It's not as scary, but that is so fucking fascinating.
2: It is a novel idea. Mm-hmm. It is, like I said, a horror fan's dream.
0: Yeah. It's hilarious.
2: It is hilarious. It is intelligent. It is insightful. The acting is good, the direction is phenomenal, everything about this movie is great. Yeah. There are so few things to complain about it. We
0: brought up our complaints, you heard them in this episode, there are practically none.
2: There's just one giant gaping hole.
0: Yeah, and then one giant convenience, which is the button. Yes. Mm -hmm. The heart rate monitor is the plot hole, and the convenience is the button.
2: But it's such a big plot hole. Like, I don't know how they missed it.
0: Yeah. I'm tempted just to make my own edit.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But this movie is fantastic.
0: Yeah. Highly, highly, highly recommended. It is definitely in my, like, top horror movies of all time list. Yes. 100%. It's in the top 10, I would say.
2: I've never actually sat down and done my. Top Neither
0: 10. have I, but I'm just thinking I would probably put this in my top ten.
2: We should probably do that.
0: I will do at the end of this year. My plan is to to collect all the ratings that we've given everything, and share what our top and bottom ten are.
2: But that's only of the ones that of we've the ones done. that we've done this year. And there are so many movies that Chris and I absolutely love. And And want to get to. And we're sure that you know and love them as well. We are not hoity-toity people. We don't think that we've seen all these great indie horrors that you haven't seen. No. We love a lot of the same horror movies that you love. The problem is, is we don't want to do all the big ones just in a big gush. We want to spread them out. It's fun for us, and I hope it's fun for you, to learn about movies that we hadn't Mm -hmm. heard of before. And sometimes we see gems and sometimes we see god-awful films, but that's the joy of it. And then occasionally we get these episodes like this one where we get to see two movies that we love.
0: Yes. And don't let that Scare you away from making recommendations. People have recommended these before.
2: In fact, this was a recommendation from Chickapedia.
0: Thank you, Chickapedia.
2: Thank you, Chickapedia. And
0: as you can see, if we have it on the list already and you request it, we're going to put priority on that. Yes. We're going to try to move it up a little bit sooner than we otherwise would. We, Kelsey's done a very good job of spacing this out over time. But if you say, I want to hear from this movie, then, yeah, we'll we'll bump it up. I just, do. Just don't abuse that power.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't necessarily put them, like, as the very next one we're going to watch. And I do occasionally, you know, put in the ones that were already on the list. <laughs> yeah. But, no, I I always put your, your recommendations uh, pretty high on the list.
0: All right. That was 2012's The Cabin in the Woods. Kelsey, what are we watching next week?
2: Next week is another recommendation week. Cool. And it's a double feature.
0: Yeah. This
2: was given to us by Chloe. Thank you,
0: Chloe. Oh, Chloe. She's recommended before. She's, She's recommended a this lot is. of movies. Yeah, uh-huh.
2: This one is a double feature of 13 Ghosts. Yeah.
0: Oh, man. I've <laughs> never These were the Dark Castle remakes of classic horror movies. This was the second one after House on Haunted Hill.
2: We just
3: did House on
0: Haunted
2: Hill. Yeah. Uh-huh. Still holds up. They make it worth it.
0: Yeah. You got to listen to that episode because there are parts that absolutely do I not hold Kelsey.
2: up. Yes.
0: Absolutely not. But there are other parts that I was like surprisingly still impressive. hmm Listen to that episode. That's a pretty good one. Yes. That's next week. Also next week, if the results of this survey change any time between now and then, there's still a couple days left on that survey, on our Twitter, at Pod Cemetery. Go there, follow us, vote. If the results change, then we'll talk about it next week on our 13 Ghosts episode. Until then, you can always reach us at PodCemetery.com. That's our website where you can browse all of our episodes, a list of every movie we've ever had on the show. It's a great way if you're just joining us now to catch up on what we've done before. Just find a movie that you like and listen to that episode and then do that over and over again. (laughs) You can leave a comment on any of the posts there. Uh, You can recommend one or two for us to cover in a future episode keeping in mind that when we pair up these movies we do one movie that's over 20 years old and one movie semi-related to that one that's under 20 years old. You can also email us to these recommendations at podcemetery at gmail.com. Like I said, you can follow us on Twitter at podcemetery. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe in your podcatcher of choice. It really, really helps us out a lot. What helps us out more than that is sharing us with your friends. Thank you guys so much for doing that. Absolutely the most important thing is the fact that you listen at all in the first place. It really means a lot to us, especially when we hear from you guys in our email and on Twitter. The kind words are absolutely amazing, and we really, really appreciate them. They make it worth it. Yes, thank you very much. Until next week, I've been Chris.
2: I've been Kelsey.
0: And this has been Pod Cemetery. Kelsey, do you have any parting wisdom to share with the audience?
2: Cleanse them. Cleanse the world of their ignorance and sin. Bathe them in the crimson of. Am I on speakerphone?
0: Is it working? Can you work it? Put your thing down, flip it in the bur it. Can you do reverse talk, Bear? Nope. Damn it, I forgot his name. I forgot his name. And I'm gonna look it up right now.
2: What that was a ton of lightning. Oh yeah. I just lit up the sky. When
0: you had that shocked kind of frightened look behind me, (laughs) that was frightening. (laughs) I was like, "Uh, is there a person behind me?